Richie Drew from Myrtle Beach, uh, one hour. I'm Jamie Levine. I am franchise development manager of Woofies. Welcome here, George. Welcome. Glad to be here. Appreciate yeah. the invite. I was actually working on communication towers. So we're the largest residential cleaning service in North America. Well, we started as Color World House Painting. We're now Color World Painting. I'm the IQ trainer with Bimax. Uh, so my name is Dylan Cohen. I am the head of learning and development for Mosquito Squad. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to, good to hang out with you two guys for sure. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you. And man, we hope that you had a great holiday. It is Christmas week or New Year's week, depending on which side of it you're coming from. And we are looking to kick off the end of the year here with a great man on the street episode. That's right. This is going to be a fantastic hours long conversation with many, many interesting people from all over the home services industry. It's going to be a great time. And Brian and I are going to set it up for you here in just a minute. And we're going to look to Brian for our quote. Coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success. Henry Ford. I was going to say that sounds like one of those things you put on a wall in an office somewhere. You know, it's funny. It's one of the, it is like a, I'm looking at a picture of a quote, like drawn up with, yeah, it is something we would have hanging in the conference room here, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I just watched uh, Ferrari versus Ford for the second time the other day. Good stuff. Good movie. Good yeah. movie. Just such a, a cool evolution to see where Ford was to like what they did to beat Ferrari. We got a lot to talk about here, buddy, because we're talking about authority brands today and that's 12, 12 companies. Uh, minimum of 12 because they have great growth plans of exceeding that number very quickly. Oh yeah. That number's, that number's getting blown apart. But, uh, for now it's 12 America swimming pool. Uh, Benjamin Franklin plumbing. Thank you. Thank you. I've heard of them. The cleaning authority, color world painting, duty calls, my favorite home watch caregivers, Mr. Sparky electric, uh, it's it's up among my favorites. I'm familiar yeah. with their work as well. Monster Tree Service, Mosquito Squad. Um, I may be requiring their services <laughs> here in a few months. I don't know if you've heard of this one. One Hour Heating and Air. Uh, yellow Trucks. Yep, got it. Yep, that's them. Stop Restoration. That's Service Team of Professionals Restoration. Woofies, I'm going to hold up three fingers here because our friend Jamie Levine. Woof, woof. Yeah, she's a big, big Woofies fan, even with a tattoo. And uh, that was last but not least with the Woofies because I went, I, I swung in their um, breakout session at the convention. Also swung into, um, I mean, obviously I went to the tri-brands that we're part of, One Hour Ben Franklin, Mr. Sparky. But I swung through Monster Tree Services breakout session and Woofie's breakout session and monsters was like huge. There was like 
There was a lot of people in there and uh, cool people too. And then Woofies was like a party. I mean, th- those people know how to party. So <clears throat> what, I, what stood out to me at this convention, which was the first one we've ever had where all of the brands were together for a convention. I told Mark Dawson this, who's the president of the, the trade brands, which is one hour Ben Franklin, Mr. Sparky and stop restoration. Um, I said, you know, when, when authority brands acquires a new company, like we get the emails and stuff and I'm, I just, I'm one of these guys where I just kind of roll my eyes, like, you know, W I I F M what's in it for me. Right. What's in it. Okay. So how does this help the trades? Like big deal, you know? And then I got to meet all these people from all these brands and I'm like, much like when I meet a bunch of people from the trades at like, you know, vertical track or our typical conventions every year where it's all the tri brands. I just fell in love with all these people. Like they're, they're just the coolest people. And I, and I got to the point where hanging out with these brands where I'm like, I want them to win big, like every one of them, you know, like you just get to know them the slightest bit and you're like, I don't know, just, just like the rest of us, you know, they're, they're people. And you want these brands to succeed big time now because after that convention, it felt like we're all part of the same team. And I have this, you know, I have this thing where I'm, I'm competitive. Like I want to win, but not at the cost of like even our local competitors losing. I might make fun of them for some dumb moves they make every now and then, but yeah, I'm competitive and I, and I want us to win. But whenever I meet other brands in the trades, even our local competitors, even like at a gas station, I, I like, I dap them up. I start a conversation. I don't headhunt necessarily. Um, I won't, I won't be opposed if they want to come over, but I just, I just strike up a conversation and chat with them. And I, you know, I just love people in the trades. I'm a big fan of the trades and I love that they made it, you know, cause I feel like where I grew up, I made it <clears throat> to the, to the trades out of Southwest Detroit. And most of the people I grew up with didn't make it to anything, unfortunately. So when I see someone in the trades, I assume what John Aquian told us a few weeks ago, which was if you made it into plumbing or the trades, either your dad was a plumber or you had hard times, you know? And I assume that to be the case for most people. And I'm just always like, as soon as I see someone in a uniform or whatever, in a truck, I'm like, I just feel like, oh, congrats, man, you made it. And you got in your own truck and maybe you own your own company. It's like, it's a big deal to me. I love, I love trade people. Well, I ended up with that feeling about all these other, what, all the other nine uh, brands under the under the authority brands umbrella. I was just, I, I left struck with a feeling of like I want to see them all win, big time, and I would love to be part of them all winning big time. I do think uh, that is slowly changing, Brian. You know, in terms of how people are getting into the trades or into the in-home services industry, because systems that are brought to the table by franchises or franchisors, uh, in, in terms of, you know, making things easier for people to start, uh, it, it's a game changer. And now we have people who are entering the trades proactively or voluntarily, not because they have a hardship or because, you know, they even have a family member who was doing it before, but because they want to, because it's starting to turn the table on, this is actually a career I want to pursue and somewhere I can make a living for myself, my family, and, you know, even put some money away. 
And so uh, what today is going to be is really an investigation into most of, we didn't unfortunately get to talk to all of, but most of the businesses that fall under the authority brands umbrella. Uh, for those of you who are just stopping by the show for the first time, Brian and I are part of uh, three franchises here, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, Mr. Sparky Electric, and One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning. Love you saying Benjamin Franklin first, buddy. Yeah. That was for me, right? Absolutely. Plum on, baby. And uh, that is all owned by Authority Brands, uh, which is uh, pulling together many, many different types of franchises that are in-home services, right? And the beauty of the system is that there are so many possible uh, referrals to be had uh, when it comes to in-home services, right? So let me just picture this for you. Uh, let's say that you are heating and air conditioning business and you are outside working on the condenser unit outside and you notice that there's rust uh, starting to creep up on the outside. And, uh, you know, you, you did hear a couple barks in the background and, uh, you know, you kind of thought that maybe the homeowner might have some dogs, but sure enough, uh, Fido was, uh, relieving himself on the outdoor unit as is typical. And so that can cause uh, a couple of things to happen. You know, you can have a conversation about pets, which, uh, there's several franchises under the authority brands umbrella that would help, uh, groom the pets, pet sit, and also clean up after the pets. While you're out there working on the outdoor unit, you might also be getting unfortunately bit up by a couple insects, uh, like some mosquitoes, in which case you could have a conversation about uh, keeping their property more mosquito-free and making their outdoor living a lot more comfortable. While you're at the outdoor unit, you might also notice that there's some paint chips falling from some of the trim uh, located on the outside of the house. And perhaps you could have a conversation about painting and what it means to upkeep the home and make sure that it's in good uh, maintained order so that you prevent rot. And the list kind of goes on and on from there. And there's so many um, cross branding opportunities to be had. And that's really what it's, what a cool unique opportunity is to be part of a franchise network that has those types of resources uh, and to be able to build your book of business in both directions, right? Because that can go the other direction too, where, you know, you're a mosquito uh, pest control operator and you notice that the outdoor unit is starting to rust. And so you can say, Hey, you know, when's the last time you had an heating and air conditioning tech, check this out. So I, I love that. It was really refreshing to hear from a lot of people who are really smart and really engaged and also really passionate about their brands and about what they bring to the table. Brian and I did a little bit of a man on the street interview we just set up. Thanks so much to Scott Kerr and his team for making it happen and uh, Authority Brands for permitting us to do this. Uh, but we just sat down and invited uh, some intentional, some passerby people to just sit down at the table and talk to us about what they do and why they're passionate about uh, what it is they are doing. And so you're going to hear, uh, we call them mini sessions, but session after session of uh, Brian and me just sitting down and talking with some interesting people and them telling us about their trades. So without further ado, uh, we are going to wrap up 2022 with the Authority Brands Convention. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. We are broadcasting here from the Authority Brands Convention, and we have two guests joining us right now. Gentlemen, if you would be so kind as to introduce yourselves as well as your position. I am in the A position. Um, I'm in the B. <laughs> Richie Drew from Myrtle Beach, uh, one hour. And Marty Landry. Uh, Marty is our vice president of operations, who basically handles everything else that uh, 
needs his attention on a daily basis, I'd say. Whatever Richie doesn't want to talk about. Whatever it. I don't want to do. He yeah. All right. All right. What, what have you gentlemen enjoyed about the conference so far? You know, I've, I've really liked seeing a lot of the people. You, you kind of haven't seen them for a while with some of the things that are going on. Getting everybody together, seeing 1,700 people in one room. I thought that was really cool. That was really cool. They had Walter Bond in there, which was fun. That was cool. The um, conferences were shut down for, it was two years, right? Yeah. yeah. 2020 and 2021. Yep. Due to uh, COVID restrictions. Um, so it was nice to get, it is definitely nice to get back in front of everybody. We've, we've seen each other a few times since then, but most of the people here today I have not seen since 2019. Right. So it's nice to catch up with everybody. Yeah. It's but let's, good to see them. Um, it's good to see the other brands too, that we haven't seen before the Wolfies, the you name all nine. Oh my God. We got no 12. We got 12. <laughs> yeah. These guys are growing. I mean, nine besides the important and, and maybe four more by next year. I heard. Yes. Yeah, exactly. How about that? Well, so enough we, of the softballs here, Brian. Let's let's start <laughs> digging into the hard stuff. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, we're going to be asking some business questions here, just kind of a man on the street uh, thing going on. So I want to start off with what has been the biggest challenge in your business in 2022, and what are you doing to overcome it? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. What you meant to say was... How long have you been in the trades? How'd you get into the trades? <laughs> That's exactly what I okay. meant. And how did so, you end up in the brands that we're here to celebrate this week? So when I was a baby, um, no, my, my, my father was in the, um, in the business. And so when I, I got out of college, that was uh, the career path I chose as a technician. What'd um, you go to college for? You're going to laugh. Pre-med. Wow. Yeah. In, in I didn't the, quite make it to med. In the HVAC. <laughs> Stop oh, right there. Okay. All right. You went to free. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. yeah that, we don't talk about that. Uh, so I went right into the trades. Um, and, uh, you know, we were joined the franchise, what, in 2002, I think it was. And I went to work for those guys. Um, so, yeah, I've been doing this basically my whole adult life. You started under Jim Abrams, I John did. Young. I worked for Jim directly. Yep. Um, man, that was, that was an experience. Um, but just to see where the brand started from back when it was just Ben Franklin and, you know, uh, even before Sparky came along, um, and to see where it is now, unbelievable, uh, the journey that we've been on and just our business alone. My dad's business was, um, you know, six, $7 million at its peak. I think we'll do 26 this year, 26, five this year. So good growth. But, uh, Marty, yeah, it's kind of funny. He might tell you how we met. You're yeah. a, you're pre-med a one school. You were you're a one hour uh, no, another I, student. Yeah, one hour. I, I started uh, elsewhere. Yeah. Went to college. Got a degree in stats. Um, <laughs> worked in corporate America for several different people and put in for a job uh, managing the Nashville office for for one hour. Okay. And the person I interviewed with was Richie. Oh, all right. So all right. we yeah. wound up in a Harley Davidson dealership, eating lunch, and he told me, uh, task. You know, there's no way you should be doing this. You should be doing my job and was it eight months later? They I gave was, him my job. I was doing his job. Kind of the, kind of the way it worked. Okay. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah, pretty much. And Richie got the um, franchise back in Myrtle Beach and um, was nice enough to call and offer me a fantastic opportunity and watch that place go from a little under five when we got it in 13 to a little over 26 this year. Wow. Five Excellent. to 26 in nine years. Yeah. Yes. Nice. And you... How did you were in Vegas? I was. Um, I was general manager in Vegas from 2005 to 2008, right when the 
big crash happened. Sure. Um, that was an interesting time back then. But, you know, we we're kind of talking about that today, about, you know, the economy and downturns and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of go back and look at um, 2008 and some of the things that we didn't realize were happening. We can see them happening now ahead of time. So that's that experience is going to help us a little bit, I think. Um, not freaking out and, you know, maybe making some mistakes when the economy goes goes south. But um, I, I think I think we're just going to choose that path and not participate in that this time. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah, not going to get a participation I didn't trophy. like it the first time. I don't want to do it no. again. <laughs> good, good words by uh, Mark Dawson today, which is we're just going to choose not to participate. Um, but it is funny because then at that time, none of us had ever seen like a real recession before. I mean, no, had, no, no we had between our ages. But this time around, it's like we could we could see a recession. Ain't going to be as that as bad as that one. And one thing that we know is, if not recession proof, the the. Uh, Trades are certainly recession resistant. Cool. They'll be insulated. People need what we provide. There is no choice. You can't say I'm not going to have AC. Not we had have plumbing. Uh, we no. had Tommy Mello uh, was the keynote speaker for the one hour Ben Franklin and Mr. Sparky breakout today. And he told a story or, or a quote that he had read. I think he said where uh, someone prayed, God, why did you send me through these troubled waters? And God answered back and said, because your enemies can't swim. And then he related that to uh, the, the possible turmoil we could see in the industry here and the fact that um, it becomes massive opportunity for those who are good swimmers. And you guys certainly operate a fantastic, uh, very well put together, profitable business. And that's the kind of business that's going to see tons and tons of opportunity. Yeah, no, we, we, um, we saw that during COVID, right? People spent more time at home. So guess what? They're going to need their home services, right? So if people aren't going out spending the money that they don't have for going out to dinner and other things like that, maybe they're spending more time at home and they'll need us just as much. So Yeah, sure help with the plumbing. Um, we got to give a shout out to Russell. because Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, because he'll kill me if we don't. Yeah, you know, he's he's he tries with the IAQ, you know. <laughs> he, he does okay. He does okay. Yeah, he does okay. He's got a guy now. Moshi. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's putting up these incredible IQ numbers. I'm like, Russell, what are you doing? He's like, I just trained the guy and showed him what to do. And he goes out and does it. It's like, that's it. Yeah. It's funny how that works. We have a commission only IAQ salesman. That's all he does is go around all day and follow up on leads and average tickets, 5,500 on wow. duck cleaning estimates. So they're, so they're setting leads for duck cleaning estimates and he's going in and getting the IAQ or just everything or yes. just following back up with one that was quoted before, you know, just to be back. Um, but I, I think, we didn't put that in our plan for this year to have an IQ salesperson. Russell brought the guy in and said, Hey, I think this is our guy. So if you're looking for the right people, you know, maybe the time wasn't right for us. We want to put it on the schedule for later, but, um, oh man, get him up, get him trained, get him out there. And so look, first week he had $20,000 in IQ sales. I think it was second week, another 20,000. It's like, man, what, what, what is he doing different? You know, he did 22 yeah. and 35 the first two weeks. Yeah. Let me think talking Great. about it, asking people to buy, asking them a second time. I don't know. The focus and crazy it, stuff, crazy stuff, complete options, yeah. not just a duck cleaning. Let's look at why you think you need that and what else we can do to make your home the way you want it to be. And that, that's where he goes with it. I think that's something Russell does really well is connect with those guys and, and breaks it down to those simple key pieces. Like don't forget to smile and be nice and right. say these things this way. And he, he really does train on that a lot. So yeah, he's, he's pretty proud of the IQ there. So yeah, um, gentlemen, ultimately doesn't it come down to, helping people understand what we have that matches up with what they want. I think, I think it really comes down to asking them questions to find out what they're trying to accomplish and, and really 
getting in depth with what types of options we have to give them what it is that they ultimately want to achieve. And some of them think one thing is all it takes. And sometimes it takes a whole package to get them where they want to be. What do you train on as far as helping to pull out from somebody the questions uh, that they may not even have answers to, right? Like, you know, uh, obviously, so to speak, to help them even know what they're missing. Like sure. indoor air quality, for example, a lot of people don't even know what that is. They certainly don't know what IAQ means. And, you know, they might know what a 3M filter is because they've seen a commercial or they've walked into Lowe's. Uh, but they certainly probably don't know what an air scrubber is or any of these, you know, fancy things that you guys offer. So how do you begin communicating about stuff where people are uneducated? You might want to text Russell this question because I know you know how long it's been since these guys have had a conversation with a technician. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, come on. Slow down a little bit. Thanks <laughs> Russell that. All right. No, um, Russell actually, he's, he's very good at it. But I will tell you this. It's, it's all about getting the client to speak. It's, getting, it's asking them questions, right? So the one asking the questions is usually the one to control the conversation. When was the last time you had your ductwork clean? Right. And shut up and let them in. I don't Am think I it's ever been done. Do, do I need to have it done? Now they start asking you questions. And it's a magic how that opens up the conversation. And so it's really by leading with those questions always, you know, um, I think those are the important ones to ask. When, you know, tell me about your electric bills. Are you happy with them? Are they too high? They're too low? What, you know, what do you not like about your air conditioner? Whatever it is. Yeah, what are you trying to accomplish? Like you the know, way your what, water What kind tastes. of problem are you trying to solve by, by us having, having us here? Does anyone, so, does anyone ever say, yes, my electric bill is too low? It's an easy question when you know the answer. That's the last follow-up question when you can get them to answer anything else. Well, that is a big uh, Chris Voss, never split the difference. Never split Black the Swan group yes. thing is to uh, get no's out of people. That's one way. To, hey, is your electric bill too low by chance? No. <laughs> Jackpot. You're in. Yeah. Yeah, and I know Russell and I have had several conversations about Chris Voss. And, uh, he's used Chris in his training quite a bit, I think. Um, when I listened to that, his last book, I was like, man, this stuff is so simple. And he's just like, uses that late night AM DJ voice. Yes. Know, like, it, down. It's like, <laughs> it sounds so effective. It sounds so smooth when he does it. And I don't have that voice, so it uh, doesn't sound as good when I do it. But I did actually use his techniques to buy a car and tell Colin if they don't work. Um, just can't pay that, you know. That's all I got. <laughs> so sorry, it works on both sides. Won't work for me. But our guys love that training because they they can relate to it and they hear they got cool stories, man. FBI and all that stuff, and so they they get engaged in that, and then they learn, you know. Right. Well, maybe I'll try that in the house when I talk to a customer. So I, I think it's just that constantly doing those kind of trainings that Russell does. He's always bringing different stuff in. Um, and a lot of guys are listening to your podcast too, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah, we had Chris Boss on the show, <laughs> believe it or yeah, not. I know, I listened yeah, to that one. So that he. One. Uh, uh, he was on, but his his uh, trainer, who used to be the he was the commander of the Washington D.C. SWAT team, um, Derek Gaunt was on, and he told a sketchy story about a guy holding a bottle of Drano to his infant, Ooh, and, and and I don't want to give away the story. You can listen to the episode to hear it, but um, I thought it was poignant because he's talking to a bunch of plumbers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Now, Marty, uh, you guys are based out of Myrtle Beach, correct? Correct. So some might say, well, sure, you guys can sell air conditioning to Myrtle Beach. It's hot, right? You know, uh, but you guys have a very, very long spring or fall shoulder season where it's not hot. It's just beautiful. How, what do you do no to winter. overcome, you know, the, the natural cycle of weather? Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, we have 13,500 club members. So before Sheesh. the, before the, Year even starts, you get 22 club visits. You have to go and run. 
So we run a lot of them during that time. And 22,000. 22,000. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that my helps. gosh. Really? 22,000 calls helps, guys, I heard. They know exactly write, which ones are going to say yes. Write a note down right now. Richie got a math problem right that I got wrong because that never happens. Ever happens. Well, he's pre-med, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah pre. I, I was. Still, still pre-med. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a preemie. He's definitely most, a preemie. pre-med now. Wow. <laughs> um, but you know what? We get those guys in and, you know, that breaks more during the summer and the winter, but it, they'll still break. You know, if you have enough clients and you take good care of the people you got, you don't have the same volume, but you still have enough people coming in and, and need you during those times. So the concepts of clubs is really uh, derived from taking your existing base and getting more from them, right? So if the clubs run out, do you employ any other uh, strategies to drive more business from your own base or do you rely primarily on external marketing to acquire new? We do both. We do both. So you get new customers coming in from you know, the branding that's out there, but you also have, you know, we use um, Pulsim, we use Podi. You know, we've got these other vendors where you can actually automatically send these things out to your to your base and, um, you know, postcards and things like that. And so keeping that relevant, I think, is, is it's important. You know, let, let them know. You know, if, if, you, if you're coming into the fall and we're talking about fire prevention and changing your smoke detector batteries and cleaning your dryer vents, we didn't even touch that today in, in our in our general session, but how many houses do we walk out of and leave their dryer vent just clogged up with, and that's something that can burn your house down. That's right. a dangerous thing. And yeah. we can, not only that, you can, um, the efficiency of your dryer, your clothes don't dry as, as quickly as they used to and those kind of things. And what does it take a guy 20 minutes to do it that? So adding those little things on and talking about them, um, you know, it could be as easy as having a, a CSR ask the client. Maybe they're not one of our club members. Like, when was the last time you had your dryer vent clean? Mm. You know, we got to look at it while he's there today. Sure. Get back to the questions. You know, yeah, absolutely. Back to the questions. Um, you find out so much stuff by asking questions. If you don't believe me, ask my four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> the whole way home from school. It's, Daddy, what is this? What is it? And he's, he's so curious about the world, you know, and it's like, I love that because he's, he's our last kid. So he's number, he's, he's number, number six. six. Number six. six so he's, he's, it, he's done. So we're really like trying to slow down and enjoy that. But, but his questioning, he, he asks a gazillion questions a day. And so – the technicians in the house and everything else when we, when we get back to those basics like are you asking the right questions you yeah know, my son does he asked what he he asked questions until he gets what he wants <laughs> you know so he's not going to stop so we need to be more like samuel i guess well and you also got to listen i mean you ask a question and then you just got to be quiet even if the person doesn't answer immediately silence is a great answer gatherer when you don't say anything and you sit there and you let it go three to five seconds, they're going to say something. They don't <laughs> yeah. want that silence sitting there hanging over your head. Right. So when you ask the question, just be quiet and let them answer. Right. Now, you said you have over 13,000 clubs. Yes. So obviously that takes a lot of manpower to run that many calls. And then when you get in the demand season, you have more calls and you know what to do with. What are you guys doing to win at the talent war? Where are you acquiring people? What are you doing to develop your staff? No, we... we offer i think more than a lot of folks i think we we pay more we have 40 hour work weeks we don't have on-call schedules for anybody we have some people that work four tens friday saturday sunday monday um but you just don't beat the heck out of them all summer long when it's you know big demand and you can keep them busy during the shoulder season because you have enough club members to go out and visit the guys like having a 40 hour a week 52 weeks a year yeah. that's 70 hours in the summer and 25 in the in the shoulder seasons they kind of used to it, you know, they kind of don't really like it, but it kind of comes with the business and you have the ability to offer them a 40 hour work week. You should see the look on their face. They're like, are, are you kidding me? Well, they don't believe you. 
Because that's what everybody says, right? Right. So, well, and, and that's what you got to tell them. You got to say, listen, I know everybody says this, but we actually do it. Come over here and talk to a couple of technicians that can tell you what their schedules are like. Um, because everybody's going to promise you the world when they're trying to hire you. You know, all oh, come over here and work for a dollar more an hour. You know, we actually have guys come in that get offered more money that don't leave. <laughs> you know, somebody's going to pay them a dollar more an hour, but they're like, I'm going to give up all this that I have. And so, it's it's um it's interesting. The, the, the crew of guys that we have there now are so bought into the membership program that they know it feeds their families through the winter time, and they know it's an important thing to do, especially in a heat pump market like ours, where you got you know all the components running summer and winter so um but you're right we had a lot of 70 degree days so there's a lot of maintenance that needs to be done yeah during those times Absolutely. yeah what are you what do you like eight months of summer or i'm sorry four months of summer and then eight months of shoulder season i, I feel like the chamber of commerce but Myrtle beach has probably got six or seven months of the best weather you're gonna find i mean it is just fantastic so if you're a technician out there riding around in your truck freezing your butt off <laughs> come hey, on down hey, 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 no. shameless plug <laughs> I, I, I didn't say anything about pennsylvania specifically so we're good <laughs> yeah we do recruit in other markets though not yours well, have you found that to be just successful? make sure you cut that part out. Yeah. <laughs> um Nonsense. you know what we we've gone and done things like craigslist ads up in baltimore and some of the east coast where right after a snowstorm great time throw it out there and you'll get some phone calls and we've gotten four or five texts out of that deal that have come down and worked for us um it's all about timing you know if it's 15 degrees out there and it snowed yesterday and those streets are icy and you put it in craigslist and catch them at the right time because really from the tech world they're really not risk takers so you got to catch them when they were they are looking for something different or something bad's going on in their world so that they want to move somewhere else so we've done some of that in the past and been successful with it that's a really good point uh marketing and recruiting often is as a result of timing right it is, is putting the correct message in the correct market at the correct time shifting over to marketing i know you guys are very effective in what you do you're a large billboard uh believer and then you also uh, do quite a bit of uh television marketing and radio marketing as well uh, have you done anything innovative in the marketing space that you're pretty proud of or you think has differed, you know, made you different than uh, others? Well, different. Um, I, yeah, I, I'd say here's what, here's the, the real thing I think we do that's different because everybody does a, you know, a little bit of everything, right? We do it consistently. The radio's consistent, the TV's consistent, the billboard's consistent, everything layers, and it all says the same thing. And we don't put it in and then, oh, it's not working. We pull it back away. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of companies that do that. They'll advertise in the summer and then they lay off in the winter or vice versa. I think you just got to have a consistent message all the time because, like you said, you're, you're waiting for that right time and that right moment. So it is the difference between direct marketing and branding. Branding is I'm in their head when they have a need. And so you got to stay in the head all the time. That's where we got to be. And it's, it's expensive. <laughs> you know, it costs a lot of money to do that. But once you do it, you get this traction. It just keeps you going. You know, we also put the same message in all those venues at the same time. So if we're talking about, you know, our, our 18 seer for a 14 seer price, it's on the billboard, it's on the radio, it's on the TV. So they see the same messages over and over. And I think sometimes you hear it on the radio and there's the billboard at the same time. And you're kind of going, <laughs> yeah. wow, there it is. You know, someone's sending me a message from above. I need to call these guys. So. Well, I know that you uh, you guys have a busy evening here. There's other stuff going on. Beer so. to drink and food <laughs> to eat. And did want to wrap up with a question. You know, we're we're staring down the barrel of 2023. Uh, there's a lot of changes coming in the HVAC industry specifically. 
but what are you guys doing to base, you know, to, to game plan, you know, not necessarily the changes, although maybe that's, maybe that's at the top of the pile as far as things you're planning for, but what are you going to be doing in 2023 to grow, to make it different, to make it better? Well, I think there's first thing, I mean, Richie said in the beginning, we're not going to participate, but we're going to have a plan B. We're going to have a place that we can go, that we can comfortably go. If we have a worse things that happen, we have a way to go and survive through it for everybody that, that's our clients and thrive through it. I mean, the, the strong people are going to come out of this better. The weak people, I, I worry about them. I think having that plan for the worst case scenario and being able to live with it, knowing what that, is, what that looks like. Marty and I have you know, plans that we look at that we don't show the rest of the team. And they're like, this is a nuclear option. You know, this is not <laughs> right. what we want to do. Yeah. But if right. we had to do this, we could. And if you don't have those conversations and think about those things, and then you try to react to something negative that impacts the business, you can make a big mistake. So you, you really have to have those contingencies out there and be ready to execute on them. And we don't want to, but we, we'll go, go to them if we need to. Right? And they need to be built before you're in it. Because yeah. when you're in it, it's emotional and you yeah. don't make good decisions. If you plan for it ahead of time and you know which levers to pull because it was a logical thing to do, it makes it a whole lot easier. Yeah, the old phrase, uh, plan or be planned for. That's it. Exactly. Uh, you guys got it. Yep. Hey, thanks, uh, Richie, Marty. It's been a privilege to have you guys on the show. And uh, thanks for everything you do for the industry. Yeah, you guys are always on, on the video calls we do in, in the brands. It's always great to have both of your input. It's not not everyone has great input, unfortunately, but typically with when you guys speak up, it's something that is valuable and that we want to hear. So we'd love to have you guys come on sure. um, and do, do an actual episode that Nate's not going to whittle down to like 45 seconds. Like, here's this one. <laughs> to only himself talking is all you got. 1,700 people to talk. There's more people you want oh, to talk yeah, to absolutely. than us, trust me. Absolutely. But we've really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you for what you do and what yeah, you we contribute. Appreciate y'all. Like I said, we our, really do. Cool. Our tech's riding around, listening to you guys during the daytime, and that's that's having a positive impact. So we appreciate that, that. part. Stays, you understand? Yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> edit I mean, that part out. <laughs> so, cool. Thanks. All right, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, guys. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. We have a new guest with us today. If you'd be so kind to introduce yourself, please. Hello, I am Jamie Levine. I am franchise development manager of Woofies. Woof Woof. Oh, <laughs> Jamie right. held up the three uh, the three finger W. Yeah, always I get people. It's to not do a this. video podcast, Jamie. Come on, I know, but Can I'm still going to do it. Doing, I'm please. still going to do it. Right. I, I I have a thing where I like to create a culture of people woofing. Okay, so when I go to conferences, uh, trade show broker conferences and stuff like that, I do this woof woof with the W everywhere and I get people to take videos with me doing the woofy woof woof and uh, throwing up the W and and by the end of the conference people walking down the road and or down the hallways and they start woofing at me and they'll be like woof woof Jamie woof woof <laughs> I'm like yeah trying to get us all three for one that's exactly what I was trying to accomplish is getting right, we're, we're doing a video and audio. This is so surreal. <laughs> and doing the woof woof. Ready? Woof woof. Everybody. Woof woof. 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 Oh, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't recording. Oh. <laughs> I've done that so many times. All right. Ready? <laughs> what, what do you just... Oh, three yeah, fingers? I mean, you could, like do the West the, side. you could do West Side. Like I mean, it took me a while. No to, yeah, Waste No Day. Waste uh, no. <laughs> uh, but... No, I just do it. I make it easy. All I just right. do three right. fingers. Your fingers. All right. Woof, woof. Woof, woof, everybody. <laughs>
Well, Jamie, uh, not a, we are a home services podcast, uh, and I believe Wolfie's is fairly new to the home services industry. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're the puppy of authority brands. You see what I did there? Oh, all day, every day. <laughs> Boy, that one's only going to last so long. Always be branding. <laughs> So, Woofies is uh, actually been around since 2004. Um, started off as a dog walking and pet sitting franchise uh, business. Uh, the co-founders Amy Reed and Leslie, um, uh, you know, had day jobs that had a lot of traveling and they had dogs and they had a hard time finding people to take care of their dogs, obviously, when they traveled. And they were neighbors. And oh, here's a really funny story. Come to find out, it's like fate that they met. Uh, Leslie actually was in healthcare administration and she worked for the doctor that delivered Amy Reed. How wow. weird is that? That's right? crazy. Your mind just blew. I know that was like so, so walk such us. a great one. Yeah, so, anyways, right? I just threw you one. Walk us. A walk from us. there. That's great. That's great. You're barking up the right tree. Oh, Brian, I love it. Um, so they started a uh, a dog walking pet sitting franchise, uh, not franchise, just a business. And then come 2011, they added mobile grooming, um, and then. They really started getting a lot of buzz, people asking, where can I get your services outside of Northern Virginia? And uh, Amy Reed was interviewed or went on to the CNBC Live um, interview show. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, uh, and then they decided to become a franchise in 2018. Uh, 2019, they awarded their first couple of franchisees, and now Authority Brands purchased them in late January of 2022. And when they purchased them, I've been working with HomeWatch Caregivers for over five years. I'm the, the oldest OG and friend of at, uh, Authority <laughs> Brands. <laughs> I'm like the godmother. Uh, okay. uh, All right. <laughs> I didn't say godfather because obviously I'm a female. Um, and I said, you have to put me on this brand. I am a huge dog lover. So I, uh, they said yes. Um, and so and here I am today. But And then explain that left calf muscle. Oh, I have amazing calf muscles. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it might be from walking in these five inch high heels all day or the squats maybe. Um, but what Brian is referencing is I love this brand so much and feel so much passion for not only the brand and the services because I'm a huge dog lover. I have three dogs at home right now. I had five. I'll probably end up with 10 at some point because I have 31 acres. And uh I decided to go get a tattoo, and it is the Woofies logo. Uh, wow. It's a, a it's a paw print, basically with a W inside, and and everyone you know has mixed feelings about this. Some people think I'm crazy. I, I some people some people. I mean, there's a lot of people actually think I'm crazy. I think it's all good crazy, but uh, it depends on the situation. Um, so I was just really dedicated and feel so passionate to get into a brand that's so micro emerging and helped build it and award people. Uh, and I wanted to, to mirror the success that I had with HomeWatch caregivers. Uh, I was in their brand reception yesterday and they had listed three pages full of all these brand new franchisees. And I was the one that brought every single one of them wow. in. And there was people that got the multi-million dollar club. And I was like, oh, I got like a tear in my eye. I was like, I'm gonna do that for Woofies. I'm gonna do that for Woofies. Because here's the deal. Everybody loves spending money on their dogs, right? 
I bet you you'd take a second mortgage to save your dog's life for six months. Am I right? My wife would. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yes, I would. <laughs> yes. So yes, would. you would. Of course exactly. I would, honey, in case you're hearing <laughs> Nate, would you? Well, I'm not much of a dog guy. Oh, uh, my God. Do you sorry. like cats, wow, don't you? Nate, You're no, a cat guy. I'm just not You're that a pet weird guy. Nate cat doesn't guy. like living things very much. <laughs> oh, Nate. <laughs> he loves technology. Oh. He's hoping the AI takes over, you know? He's an odd duck, then, huh? Yeah, he's one of the few rooting hey, for AI. Hey, and ducks, by the way, we do pet sitting with ducks. <laughs> Is that uh, really? wow. And goats and chickens. Uh, I mean, primarily it's going to be dogs and cats, but bearded dragons and birds and stuff like that. Uh, it, it's a, it's just a great brand because on your worst day, a dog's going to lick you in the face and everything's going to be okay. Uh, people actually enjoy spending money on their dogs. Um, it's it's a passion purchase, a passion, a passion uh, spend, right? Uh, and it has six revenue streams, three of them being reoccurring. It's incredibly scalable and the demand is insane. I, I encourage anybody who's like, well, really, is it saturated? I said, do me a favor. Do a Google search of your area, and I want you to call every mobile or retail groomer, ask them how much does it cost to get this golden doodle you know, groomed, and how soon can I get on your calendar? You're going to either have somebody not answer the phone, <laughs> say, sorry, I'm not accepting any new clients, or yeah, I can get you in six months. How's right. that work? Right. I mean, yeah. the demand is insane. So... Fido's going to have some pretty long hair. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's so and it's recession resistant because we're going into these upscale markets that have a lot of money. And when, if there is a recession, I guess someone says there is one right now. I mean, I don't know. Uh, but if there is, people's, the dog's hair is not going to stop growing. And these rich people are not going to groom their own dogs, no, right? And they're not going to get rid of their dogs because dogs are family members. As we just talked about, Brian is willing to take out an equity loan on his house. To save to, my marriage. To save his <laughs> dog, which in reality is his marriage. So, hey, I think that's great. I'm going to clip that out. <laughs> Brian is married to a dog. Is that is that what I heard there? No, no. You, you, uh, our audience is smart enough to read between those lines. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if my co-host is. <laughs> well, we've already established that he's a tech guy. Yes, and he uh, likes, uh, you know, circuit breakers and stuff like that more than circuit people. breakers. That's exactly I don't, I mean, right. Is that what this is? I, <laughs> yep. I'm not a technology person. Yep. She's so. pointing at the uh, <laughs> the podcast recording board. Yeah, when she says I, circuit breakers. <laughs> our Mister Sparky audience is going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Sparky. Much love. We all need our lights turned on. Please don't turn mine off. I, I love Mr. Sparky. So, I Jamie, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, one of the things that I would think would be critical in Wolfie's and the general dog sitting industry is trust in the person who is coming into your home, right? Uh, Brian and I are in the plumbing, HVAC, and electrical industries, so we are getting into homes, and there's a, a massive level of trust there. But pet sitting, I feel like, takes it to another level because you're generally exiting the house for either a day or a part of a day or maybe maybe longer, like a week yes, or whatever. Yes, 100% agree. And that's why, you know, people will ask me, well, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Wags and Rover. It's like the Uber app for dog walking and pet sitting. You know, how do we compete against that? 
no problem because because i've never even heard of it well so, there's there that go. for you obviously but it does exist um but yes trust and respect are huge and uh and just like uh you know our speaker talked about earlier today right um trust and respect are huge and one of the things that uh woofies is going to do for a new client for dog walking pet sitting is we do an in-home consultation it's a one-hour in-home consultation so you're going there somebody one of the staff members going to meet the dog or the other animals and meet the owners and ask questions. What do they like? What do they don't like? Where's, you know, and sometimes people have some weird requests. They want you to change the channel every time you stop by, you know, get, put it on Disney, then to Animal Planet. You got to find out these things. Like, that's what they want. You know, if they want you to bless the water, then bless the darn water. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you get to build a trust and respect and rapport, but you also can mitigate your risk, right? Because, I mean, everyone's worried about liability, right? And so you get to ask questions about those animals. Are they aggressive? Have they bit? And so forth. And they have to sign something that says, no, they, they haven't. But if you go there and you encounter that, that dog showing your, their teeth at you, don't take that client. Hello. Right. You know, so it, it kind of goes both ways, but absolutely trust and respect. And, and if they're already using you for grooming and then all of a sudden they're going on vacation, and they know that you do pet sitting, who do you think they're going to call? Sure. Not the Ghostbusters. They're going to call Woofies. They're not going to go on some stupid app of uh, Wags or Rover, right? So it, it's, uh, yes, trust and respect is a super important piece. These no. are family members. Absolutely. Yeah, nobody wants to auto automate the, uh, the care of a family member. Now, Amazon cannot take over here. We're good in that regards. <laughs> so in terms of finding people who meet the the uh, credentials of being trustworthy, who have clean backgrounds, I'm sure is a big deal. Uh, what, is, what does that look like for recruiting talent in this industry? That's an excellent question. So one of the great things about Authority Brands is this is the first really true emerging brand that they have uh, brought into the portfolio. And they are highly motivated and invested in Woofies to succeed. So they actually started the their own recruiting program. So Authority Brands hired three professional recruiters that are going to do all the recruitment for our dog walkers, pet sitters, and groomers for our franchisees. So they're going to, you know, get put the ads out there do the application process etc and then hand over the qualified candidates based off certain uh, pieces to them but once those uh, the franchisees get those people you know the number one thing is that they have a passion for animals if you know if you're doing an interview and the and the and the girl says do I have to pick up poop no, you don't, because you're fired. You're, you're not. You're not even in. No, nope. <laughs> no. Of course not. You're not picking up poop. No, we're not hiring you. Um, so we want people to have passion for animals, obviously. So. We're also going to do a background check. We're going to do a DMV check because these people might have their animals in their car um, and check their vehicle to make sure it's not disgusting because um, you're going. these vehicles are going into high-end areas, right? right, right. Um, and then we're going to give them training. So that's really important. It, it might sound like, how do you train to do a dog walk? I mean, it seems like it's not rocket science. And it's not, but there are certain ways about entering a house, right? You don't just swing the door open and the dog, you know, fight goes out in the road and now what, what are you going to do? Are you going to go chase the dog down? It's a, uh, 
uh, there's actual training process on how to open the door, how to approach the dog. And, you know, you've got to find out from the owner that in-home consultation, are they using a harness, are they using a collar and stuff like that. And then the franchisee needs to do quality assurance follow-up to make sure that that training that they instilled is actually happening. Um, and they do that with checking in with the clients to make sure they're happy, checking in with uh, the, the dog walkers and pet sitters, et cetera. No. So is there is there train like my I have a very big dog. It seems like most of the people who use these services have like smaller dogs. Is that I just, would maybe totally that's in my disagree head? with you. Yeah. Really? Tell I just me picture, about your dog though. I, I want to hear about your dog. A What's your dog's name? His name's Rango. Like Rango? the Johnny Depp uh, lizard. Yeah, movie. like the lizard. Yep. Oh my, my gosh, daughter's that's... favorite movie. She Aww. named him. He's a uh, hundred and 10 pound Rhodesian Ridgeback. Oh, yes. He's big, I he's love big that. So I'm going to tell you the names of my dogs. I'm sorry, I'm ignoring your question. We'll come back to that. And, and you might have to edit this out. I don't out. feel like we're coming back to that, Nate. No, we're, we'll come back to it. Um, I, I'm really good at circling back. That's the ADHD. So I have all my dogs. I live in northern New Hampshire. It's live free or die state. So just to preface that. Um, so Bruce Willis is a dog. <laughs> No, no, it's way better than Bruce Willis. Um, so I have a Colt, I have a Smith, and a Wesson. Okay. I have a Ruger, and I have a Sig Sauer. I like right. it. So, like now it. we're talking. <laughs> I have all of those two in my safe. I home. do, I do too. But I also have animals named that, and it's hysterical because my boss name is Colt, and Colt's my boy. He's a coon hound, and I was, I'm always yelling at him, "Shut up, Colt!" And and my boss Colt's like, "Jamie, I swear you just say that when you're on the phone with me, just to make it sound like you're saying shut up to your dog, but you're really saying shut up to me." <laughs> So back to your question, because I told you I could circle back. Um, actually, you know, any of these doodle dogs is probably one of the most popular dogs out there. Um, but uh, people are, are getting dash hounds, long-haired dash hounds uh, groomed and Pomeranians. And, but it's all the way up to, you know, Ridgebacks and Mastiffs and St. Bernards and wow. stuff like that. But of course, the price is going to vary sure. based on that. Per but, square foot or square <laughs> pound, <laughs> by the pound. Uh, but these dogs are groomed every four to six weeks. Like how amazing of That's a reoccurring, yeah. right? And and we have a thing called the Wolf Pack, which is free for the wolf client. Pack. Wolf Pack. I, I mean, this. I hello, um, a Wolf Pack where people it's free for the client to sign up, and they get a full year of grooms all scheduled. And so it's amazing because uh, for them, they get the they they don't have to worry, and they don't even have to be home by the way to get their dog groomed. But for the for the franchisee, they have a year of forecast at revenue and if almost every single one of their clients sign up for that they have that forecast revenue for you know 50 100 whatever number of clients we also have a grooming school um with woofies and eventually we want to have those grooming schools all over the country uh but one of our newest franchisees out of kansas city missouri he's very mission driven and he wants to work with this really amazing battered women's shelter and give them jobs um, as dog walkers and pet sitters but also hopefully get some of them into grooming because it's a trade yeah, right? right just like electricians and plumbers and stuff like that um and put them through our grooming school so that's fascinating. It is cool, right? A, a lot of opportunities for certain. And one of the opportunities in any business is uh, sales, internal sales, right? So uh, I'm curious, you know, what type of 
upselling or what type of alternate selling occurs, especially if the client is often not in the home when you're doing the service. So how do you, how do you maintain the relationship, especially if it's a very remote uh, occurrence, you know, with the homeowner just being like, yeah, uh, you know, I trust you guys just come do it. And they never actually face to face. Yeah. So the, obviously the first several times they're usually home and in reality, actually they're usually home, but they don't have to be. Um, the groomer's not going to really do a whole lot of the upselling. Groomers are dog people, not human people. They're artists. Um, so the upselling, and there's plenty of upsells in the grooming process. There's all these, you know, doggy fragrances that you can use and all these other really cool, like, you know, putting a bow. I'm picturing just being at the salon with my yes. wife and we're leaving and they point <laughs> over to the shelf. Yes. Yes. That's it. Yeah. That you get much all the- of that kind of stuff. And so, but that upselling typically happens when it, they're getting scheduled Schedule. and stuff like that. Because like I said, groomers are not ups- great at sales, sales people. But if you find groomers, I, you know, we encourage franchisees to put an incentive in place to upsell. Right. Um, but there's also the upselling in, we have these things called yappy hours, community <laughs> events. I see so it. Yappy okay. hours. Right. And, and dog swims. And we, we also do these community events called like paws and claws and pooches and smooches. I mean, the creativity level here is amazing. Yeah, we're, we're missing that, I think, oh, in yeah. the one hour Ben Franklin I mean, and Mr. Sparky yeah. There's only so much you can do talking about like a, a light poop bulb. and electricity. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> We don't even but, have to bring that first part up. I Jamie. know. It's, I mean, it's a given. I mean, anybody who thinks of a plumber thinks of... Uh, Never mind. I mean, just go back to my yappy hour story. So yappy hours are, um, yep. Yappy hour. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. Drink it up. Drink it up, girl. Uh, we got people passing by listening to our conversation about yappy. Um, so yappy hours are like partnering with a dog friendly bar, restaurant, brewery, winery, and they, people bring their dogs and they'll get a brush out, nail trim, ear cleaning and stuff. Exactly. It's just fun. And then, and then we also do community stuff to give back to the community. We really want this to be very community based. So, um, you can do do fundraisers and stuff. And we, we let the franchisees either put their own dog on the van or have a casting call to get the community involved, to have a chance to win, uh, to put their dog on the van, which is really, really fun. Great marketing. Yeah. Yes, it is. And I can tell you one of our newest franchisees, when I told her, cause she is a, a Yorkie that's older. And I said, how would you like to put pepper on the van? She like teared up. Like, I think I could have slid her an agreement right then and there. She would have signed it. <laughs> and you didn't? Uh, I did not. Cause that's not how I roll, but <laughs> guess who's on her van? Pepper. Pepper is on the van. So moral of the story. Nice. Tell somebody you can put their old dog on a van. It's going to (laughs) happen. Well, I love it, Jamie. I love your energy. And uh, it seems like it is a very intriguing proposition in a market that has uh, a very dedicated fan base. Uh, Pet people, family members, you know, they consider them to be family members. I think there's a lot of merit to developing that into the organization. Appreciate you stopping by with us today. Thank you. This was fun. This is probably the most fun podcast I've ever done, actually. Obviously. Obviously. Right. I've been talking to some plumbers and electricians here. They know how to have fun, right? <laughs> they do. Shocking. <laughs> That's what, like after all the after hour socials, I go find the trades guys. Cause I, I used to sell franchises for Meineke and I was like, these are just like Meineke boys. They're just like good old boys. It's yeah. fun. So anyways, thank you so much for Thanks, having Jamie. me. Wolf, wolf. We got to, we got to spread your influence across these brands as well. I think because, you should. Yeah. I think you should. Like, I, th- I think I should be allowed to sell all the franchises. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> they're not going to let that happen, though. Uh, but anyways, thank you so much. This was a ton of fun. I cool. appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Jamie. All right. Have a great day. Woof, woof. All right, gents. Welcome here. What's happening? Yeah. Kicking off with a, uh, another mini segment of the Waste No Day podcast. Who we have joined Live us today. from the Authority Brands Convention. Yeah. Inside the Rosen Shingle Creek Resort in Orlando, Florida. We got returning one of our all-time most downloaded episodes ever, Mr. Aaron Hagen of Mr. Sparky Electric. In I'm telling you, uh, I'm not going to start naming episode all the one hundred five. Like, <laughs> episode one hundred five. Uh, thank you, thank you. I, you know, I, a lot of family, a lot of friends. You know, just, just download, I, delete, I, yeah, just download, keep, delete, download, delete. Just keep downloading, guys. Just keep downloading. <laughs> and joining him is his vice president of operations, Mr. Daryl Boyd. Is that correct? Vice President of Operations. COO. CO, Chief yeah. Operations Officer, Mr. Daryl Boyd. There you go. <laughs> For the first time on the Waste No Day podcast, right. we appreciate you joining us there today, Daryl. Awesome. Very good, guys. Well, it's <laughs> Daryl's really glad excited. to be on here. Yeah, he has you a lot tell to say he's excited. Today. This is what happens when we film too, when we're filming trainings that for the first like five minutes, maybe 10, he just kind of stares like a deer in the headlights. Like, yeah. The lights come on, and it's just, this is what I get. So you get them to start at like 648, no, and then the text It's got to be a little bit, but if the cameras come on, he put the heads, I knew he put the headset on. It's going to be a while before he gets the call. <laughs> it was just, he's going to be nervous. No. You okay now? I'm, I'm great. Okay, all right. Yeah, good. I'm great. So what are you guys enjoying about the convention so far? Oh, man, I mean, the Tommy Mello thing was pretty pretty fun. We No kidding, we just interviewed the female Tommy Mello. Is that oh, right? Did you really? Jamie from Woofies. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Yeah. I'll have was, to listen. That was a, uh, yeah, well, yeah. we will. She was sure. uh, all energy, all passion, loves her brand, loves the product. Just uh, a blast. Every bit as uh, passionate and energetic as Mr. Mello. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll have to listen. Tommy definitely brought it. Uh, he definitely brought it. That was awesome. Walter, Walter Rome was awesome too. Yeah. Walter Bond. Walter yeah, Bond. He was yes. so good this morning. Very good. So let's, we, many of our audience have heard uh, a lot of Mr. Hagen's story. Daryl, why don't you tell us how you got into the trades and into the brand? Well, I got in the trades and the brands originally as a, as a franchise owner as well. So uh, through ESI back in the day in 2007, uh, 2005 actually with ESI and then 2007 with the Mr. Sparky franchise in uh, the Washington state area in Olympia, Washington. Um, and um, gosh, from there, ended up meeting Aaron at a, uh, gosh, an on-time electrician class. That's right. That's how we met originally and uh, became really good friends and just talked with each other every single day, going back and forth with what we could do to improve our businesses and, and um, developed a really close uh, business and personal relationship that way. And then uh, eventually he called me up and said, hey, I'm getting ready to start a place in Tulsa and bought the location and. I don't know if I'd come help him uh, kind of join hands and two are better than one and help him start the Tulsa location. That's what I did and never looked back. So uh, it's been a blast uh, getting to uh, work side by side with the best friend. Seven years ago? Seven uh, years ago? Yeah, that? seven years ago that we've been working uh, together. We didn't know if it would work, honestly, because we were really, really close friends and uh, but had a passion for this trade and for the brand. Uh, two positive people that keep keep our lives that way and and um, yeah, we've just never looked back and the relationships worked really, really well. 
uh, I stay out of his way, and I know I know when he's about to blow, and <laughs> just just kind of back off a little bit and keep him laughing from time to time. But no, it's I have a hard time believing that's even possible. <laughs> I honestly do. No, it's extremely rare. Like I can't even remember the last time, honestly. So, so you guys are twenty five million dollars in electrical residential contractor business only right. only yep only that is amazing 25 million this year in residential service electrical right and so you guys are uh day to day inside and out of what hundreds of homes that's got to be right oh yeah in a month we'll run 15 1600 service calls yeah yeah and how many technicians is that total down to uh we're getting pretty close to 60 technicians trucks that are out there running right now and do you use uh like i mean i've been to some electrical contractors who have kind of a uh, a stair step of like five six seven positions you know from like gopher basically to apprentice to qualified apprentice to entry-level tech to tech to you know senior tech to then like sales tech hybrid roles and kind of keep going up do you employ something like that in your business as well i mean we have obviously the apprentice role for sure um, and from there, typically, we matter of fact, we've got a program where one of our guys is helping them get their, their licenses, and we do that every Wednesday morning. And, um, and then from there, they, they can obviously graduate up into a truck and be a technician, straight electrician, where they do both sides of the equation there where they're selling and installing. And then from there, safety advisors, and then we've got installers. Yeah. So, yeah, all, all different phases there that they can do. It allows you to capitalize on different skill sets, right? right. Uh, regardless, though, every skill set and every position requires communication to be at the forefront of that, especially in the residential community. That's right. You can really get around that probably in the commercial world, the industrial world, where you're, you're just kind of doing your job. But day in and day out, you guys are dealing with homeowners. What is it that you focus on in helping to develop communication in every single level of your technician world? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Great question. Well, we've- I let you filled it. Yeah, no, that was no. Aaron's way of saying no, I don't yeah. know. No, no, uh, yeah, I, I, I here, know, <laughs> but I can I can take over, and I'm going like, hey, this is you know, I'll, I'll let Daryl take this one. Yeah, he'll answer the exact same way I would anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just it, a little less passion. Daryl, this is your moment to shine. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, training's at the core of everything that we do. I mean, training is what's Wait, built no our <laughs> Tommy Mello. There he is. What's up, buddy? <laughs> training's at the basis of everything we do. So I mean, we we are not who we are without training. Period. I mean. We train uh, twice a week, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. every week. Uh, we never miss that. And uh, so we've got a lot of different ways that we communicate that with our team and talk about communication. Actually, in one way or another, we're training mm-hmm. every single day from even even our short huddles that True. we do every single morning at 7.50 every single morning. So mm-hmm. we have the group together every morning. So yeah. And, and this is all the 50, 60 technicians are coming together. Oh, yeah. And obviously, they're in different locations. So you're right. doing a lot of virtual training. Exactly. Okay. And, and I believe in a previous episode, you talked about how you have the setup. You've invested in having you know, good cameras, good screens, and the system works really well. So you got that not dialed in, so to speak. Yes. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's dialed in. We're always looking to try and how we can uh, make it a little better. But you know, we, we, we worked really hard to make sure it's a good experience for our guys. We want them to be able to see the guys in every other location. So, you know, when we do meet up, when we do have a big group function, it feels like they, they talk to these guys every day. And that's, that's really what our goal is, is to feel like one, you know, 
one company. We are one company, but we're just in seven different locations. And so the guys know that, hey, if I run into an issue here, you know, in this house and I don't know how to find it, I've got, you know, 60 other guys that I could call out to be able to to be able to give me a hand, you know, to mm-hmm. talk through some of this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of power in having, uh, you know. And we have fun with that. I mean, we have a lot of fun with that. I mean, we ever, like I said, we, we nickname every single guy. Uh, every, I mean, every 60, we, all of them have a nickname that we call them and have fun in the mornings, hype them up. So uh, those are probably my funnest part of the entire day is that, that 10, 15 minutes, that, that huddle time we get with them. I mean, that is just pure fun. Yeah, that's great. And yeah. I'm sure your, your guys appreciate that. It's motivating. It's, uh, you mm-hmm. know, something to look forward to. And it's probably fairly different from most electrical companies in terms of your competition because you know, a lot of guys are just dispatched from home or, you know, Hey, we, we don't want you here at the office, just get out there and make some money or, you know, get the trucks rolling. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a big, uh, the big way to differentiate yourself. What other ways have you intentionally decided to make yourself different than your competition, Daryl? I'm sure you, I mean, you've obviously lived in a different state and you service multiple States in your current location. What does it look like to set yourself apart from the competition in the war for talent and attracting good people? I mean, obviously culture, number one, obviously culture for us is everything. I think when people come into our setting, like you said, they're going to see right away that we like to have fun. Um, uh, we're going to be super competitive. Uh, we're going to run our system. We believe in our system. Our system is. I think that I think that's a, that's the, the other part that they're going to understand that they're going to get better. I mean, they mm-hmm. can work a lot of places, but they're actually going to be getting better at what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh by day-to-day working with us and going through the training that we have. They're going to get elite training. You know, they're not used to that typically. They're sending, they're sending people from all over the country to your guys shop from time to time, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah, we're not, we're not afraid to help anybody anytime, anywhere. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's start, let's get some techs out there, buddy. Come on. <laughs> Nate, you hear me here? Let's get, let's get our whole teams out there. <laughs> Shut down for a week. I like it. No, we love it. We'll share. Uh, speaking of sharing, so uh, sharing is something that uh, some people have different perspectives on in their industry. Uh, some guys, you know, they're all about getting the message out there and other people are more about, you know, keeping it in-house. It sounds like you guys have more of, a pers- more of a desire to share the knowledge, share the wealth, so to speak. Yeah, no, we have no problems. Like I said, uh, we have people all the time that want to come in and, and, and Aaron is obviously very gracious to want to help anybody. Um, come in. We'll share. We we have no secrets, like you said. So, well, we invite them into our meetings because yeah. hey, a lot of ours are, are virtual anyway. So mm-hmm. you can log in and and uh, we we make we offer that all the time. I did today. Multiple people. Hey, just log into our meeting and on uh, Tuesday, Thursday, or any morning, and just kind of see what we do. Yeah, they'll yeah, sit in on those. They'll sit in our on our operations team meetings even. Um, and see what we're doing in there. So they're, yeah, they're guys open to any that are struggling with through, through having an ops manager right. and how that works. And we're like, wait, just come come sit in on our ops meeting on you know Wednesdays at two o'clock and and uh, sit in and see what you can pick up on that if you can pick up something. But right. Daryl does an amazing job with that. So they always there's always some really good nuggets there. Yeah, I love the generosity. It seems like something that's in the trades and kind of built in, you know, especially because the trades has been founded upon the whole master apprentice relationship. There's always been this next guy up thing. And I, I love when companies open their doors up and say, hey, you know, come here and we'll help you. We'll help you grow, too. And speaking of growth, you know, we're looking at uh, the turn of the calendar here to another year. And oh, I'm yeah. sure you guys have a lot of good goals set up for what you want to be accomplishing. What are the top three focus points that you have for 
developing growth into 2023, what are your priorities and how are you going to execute on them? Man, we obviously have a revenue number. Clearly, that's a, that's an easy one to set. You know, we want to be at uh, 35 million by the end of this next. Uh, Ooh, Ten million dollars. Yes. All right. Yes. And uh, by the end of when? 2023. So into next year. Yeah. 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 Right. So uh, that's that's our big. 30 percent growth. Yeah. Revenue goal, which is, you know, one thing. We, we've seen that over the last two or three years. So, yeah. Right. Not- well, yeah. Th- yeah. We've actually been probably more right. like 40 to 45 percent in the last couple. But wow. Awesome. Um, but yeah. That's the big revenue goal. And then from there, we'll break it down. Just like you hear everyone else here talk about. We'll break it down, break it down per truck and what we can get per truck to, to make sure that we hit that. But we also want to continue to expand with uh, we're building the backside of the organization as well, adding more talent on the inside of our our teams with our you know accounting departments and call centers, call centers and dispatchers. So we're really working well, on that part of our business as well. Yeah, we're focused on we're focused on growth regardless of what you you hear through the news or you hear you know scrolling through Twitter or what's what's going on. We're we're, we're still we're still not backing down off our our growth numbers and we're going to get there and we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to we're going to double down and we're going to continue to put more marketing out there when other people are backing off because they. You know, their fear, they're scared of what may happen. We're going to we're going to keep putting that in there because that's where we're going to take it. When we come out of it, we're going to be better than we were, you know, going in. The recurring theme here today on this episode so far might have to be the title of the episode is if there's a recession, we're not going to participate. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Well, we told I sent a I sent a um, a text to to Mark uh, Dawson. Uh, what was it? Tuesday on the Tuesday. day we flew here, yeah. On Tuesday, because October, uh, we had our second best month we've ever had. And so we're like, what recession? You yeah, know man. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it, we're still continuing. And, you know, we've done a thing, obviously. Uh, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a thing is, I don't know if you guys are hearing this constantly when you guys are talking to a lot of different people. I'm sure you are because there's a lot of smart people here. But uh, it's just about working harder. You know what I mean? It's been really easy over the last few years. You guys know it. You know, I mean, we had to get phone calls was not, it hasn't been a difficult process. Probably the easiest I've ever seen in my entire career was over the last two years. It made it feel like it was always going to be easy, right? That was, you know, that that's what you felt like. Um, And I remember when we first got in this, when we would come to these things, it was all about how to get my phone to ring, how to get my phone to ring, how to get my phone to ring. It was a struggle. So we were trying to figure out how do I manufacture calls? What do I do? So, you know, it's what Daryl and I talked about. We, we saw, we've seen some of that. We've seen some of the stuff kind of slow down just a little bit, not a lot. We've seen it a little bit. And, and, um, you know, both of us, we're like, we're going to, we're going to get back to the basics. We're going to get back to old school and we're going to do things that we've done before to make sure that, uh, that, that that we have the call volume that we need, that we have the calls that we need. And that means, uh, you know, that means putting a little more work in. And that's that's all it is. It's just working harder. It's it's going to be, it may be a little bit harder over the next few months, years, whatever, but uh, it's still there. Still there. Now, Daryl, you're the numbers guy. I mean, you're an operations guy, so you better be focused on the numbers. And in, in offline conversations that we've had, I know that you are. If you can dial down your business to a dashboard, so to speak, and it has, I don't know, three to five main components that if you got shipped off to a desert island or you took, you know, Aaron finally let you take that four-week vacation you've been dreaming right, of. Right, right. Right. Denied. Right. Yeah. Fat chance. Right. 
and and all you had was that dashboard to focus on what are the what are those components that would let you know the health of the business yeah it's it's it's, it's your basic ones it's the same ones i think that everybody probably focuses on it's, it's you know your average ticket obviously it's conversion uh, for me, a big one that we love is the average per truck. How do you define conversion? Just so we're clear. Yeah, so that's per rand call. So it's not sold, you know, just on only on your sold calls. It's every call you run. So if you run ten calls and close seven of them, that's a seventy percent, obviously, conversion rate. So, and what counts as closing? Uh, anything over a, 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 dispatch, a dispatch fee. fee. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you can't just collect a dispatch fee and call that a, a converted job. Darn it. My yeah, lifetime I, closing <laughs> percentage just went way down, man. <laughs> and what are you looking for as like a, a do, you, do you scale that through your business? You know, an entry level tech, we would expect 50% conversion, whereas an experienced tech, we want 80 or is there a metric you use? Yeah, it's, it's 80 across the board. Okay. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter where you're at. If you're in one of our trucks, you need, you need to be at 80% conversion. And obviously, like I said, we're looking at an average ticket of where we want to be at least $1,300, $1,400 uh, there at a minimum. Uh, for us, electrical anyway, electrical service. So, and then from there, we want 40000 per truck minimum is what we see that is a, a good baseline, obviously, for us as well. You get so, some emails on that one, Brian. What's that? <laughs> the average ticket. You're going to some emails on the average ticket, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, so, those, those, three, those three numbers right there are going to tell you a lot, obviously. You yeah. guys do have sales like strictly sales guys too. What are their what do their metrics look like? Yeah, our sales guys obviously are the the, the uh, safety advisors, what we call them. Uh, they'll typically be anywhere, gosh, from a hundred thousand to two hundred fifty thousand, depending on the tech uh, in a given month. Uh, but their average tickets are well over two thousand uh, dollars, and much much higher. They're going to average about a hundred thousand dollars or more, like you said, out of their truck as well. And you want um, that same 80% minimum closer. Yes, especially for them because they're running even more calls, right? They're, they're typically running, gosh, for us, they're running probably 70 to 80 calls in a month. So they're running about four calls a day okay. over a 20-day workday month. So, yeah, we definitely want an 80% conversion out of those guys. So uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, gentlemen, I mean, there's going to be – there's gonna, inevitably going to be some challenges that uh, – you have to plan for uh, what has been something that you're proud of overcoming this year? Uh, maybe something that was unexpected or something that, you know, just kind of hit you sideways. What, what has been your strategy to approach the unexpected and what's maybe a specific example of a challenge that you did overcome? Darn good questions. He's got here. I mean, he had to write these things down, right? Just, he just coming up. No, <laughs> I got a couple down. Here. Googling oh, okay, some okay, or okay. something. I mean, honestly, like he's, he's googling just, good pod, but good podcast questions. Yes, yeah, that's exactly goodness. right. Yeah, I even think just as recently as last month. Like I said, we we started out. It was rough the first the first couple of weeks of last month. We were we were in a dogfight trying. We were to get not pacing it, anywhere near where we ended of no, your right. of your second biggest month in yeah. history. Right? No, yeah. it, it it was it was those kind of things you you start to let you start to let. Little little fear creep in. You start thinking like, "Oh boy, is this is this the beginning of this?" The recession you know? is, is here. This is, right. what's, is this what's going <laughs> to happen? You know, right. and right, yeah. Well, you know, the phone does. We squash that really quick. Uh, <laughs> we, we squash that thought really quickly, and don't let that yeah that that seed yeah. gather any water. Any no, we just we just you know rally the troops. We were able to rally the troops, and then just good people delivering. You know, from our regional managers to our ops managers, just to our contact center the way they would outbound call and just it was just time to go to work and 
tell you, this t- the entire it's, team it's, went to work. It's getting back to basics. It's going to make us better moving forward. The things that we're going through right now by having to work harder. I mean, our ops managers are when our guys don't close a call, they're calling the client back, you know, and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the ops manager, you know, let's talk through this. And they're actually closing calls, you know, uh, for, for, for our techs, right. you know, for the right. guys that didn't go right. out and close, they're working harder, you know, when someone cancels a call, you know, they're seeing, Oh, that call canceled. I'm calling them, calling them back and getting on the line. Or if it's an install, mm-hmm. you know, that, that cancels, yeah. they're calling them back and, and they're working their rear off, which, you know, typically would be a dispatcher or someone like that. And now our ops manager are taking ownership of that, which really they're better at it than anyone else. Cause they've got more, you know, yeah, more skin in the game, you know, in, in that area. And, uh, certainly more tools at their disposal. hundred percent. That's absolutely right. Right. And it's made, it makes a difference. Yeah. Well, you guys are making a difference. Thanks so much for joining us today, Daryl, Aaron. It's been good to have you on, uh, Aaron return, uh, uh, on the podcast. So episode one Oh five. We're going to, for once, we're going to follow a Sparky interview up with a Sparky interview and get Mr. George Saldana. Oh, this is going to be good. Oh, we're going to get Mr. Be George good. Saldana. Let me get thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Ready? <laughs> you guys aren't planning on going home early, are you? Uh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Come on now, guys. Oh, we do have dinner at 7.30. So. Hey, kicking off another mini session of the Waste No Day podcast. We have none other than Mr. Sparky owner, George Saldana, joining us. That's it. Welcome That's here, funny. George. Welcome. Glad to be here. Appreciate yeah. the invite. Good to finally have you on, by. buddy, even yeah. though George told me uh, yesterday yeah. that he has not heard an episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Ridiculous. He's, his daughter, who I met in person for the first time today, although we've been back and forth on social media probably for years now. Uh, told me she was listening to several of them though. Yeah. So I said, okay, then he can come on. Okay. <laughs> they're they're kind of rabid actually. So I had to see what the, all the fuss was about, but yeah. I heard great things. Really, okay. really great things. This is awesome. Well, George, where do you hail from? San Antonio. I was actually raised in California first 15 years of my life. And then we moved back to Texas. My dad decided I would come back home, be with the family. So I really didn't have a say in the matter, but uh, San Antonio is our home. It's a, it's a great place, great place to raise family and great place to run business. I got a lot of great customers out there. And speaking of business, you're Mr. Sparky Franchise? Yes, yes. And what's your annual revenue these days? Uh, we're going to do right under 6-6 six, six probably by December, I think. Excellent. How many, how many techs on the road? We're running 12 technicians right now. We got about three more in training. So put us up to our 15 back in without any more trucks. And then we have about eight installers running in about six to seven trucks, depending on what's going on. Awesome. So, yeah, we, we stay pretty busy. So how did you get into the electrical field? Well, to be honest with you, back in high school, I, I had a mobile DJ thing going on. Oh, because, okay. Uh, back then, the, you guys were just pups, but you know, minimum wage back then was $2.10. I'm an not hour. sure we were alive when you were in high school. No, <laughs> I don't know about pups. So, so we, uh, we, we, I, had to, I, I just couldn't live on $2.10 an hour. Hell, rent back then was probably $210, $215 a month. You couldn't make enough money unless right. you have four jobs. So I was at a party one evening. This is a quick story. As a party one evening, saw a guy there spinning records. I'd never seen that before. In his backyard, somebody's house. And he says, uh, I said, well, you know, what do you, what do you charge for this? He says, oh, you know, we get about 200 bucks for a four-hour gig and, wow. and all the drinks and, and all the girls that you want, you know, nice girls to meet, you know. It's a whole month's rent. Yeah, exactly. whole month's rent. One, one deal. So we, we, me and my buddy uh, conned his, his dad. My dad said, get out of here. 
loaned us a little bit of money to buy. It was a couple hundred bucks, bought some speakers, a couple of turntables, and we started doing it. It was great. So that's the reason I got into electrical, which was the original question, was because I wanted to have something different from some of the other competitors. There was about three of us in town at the time doing it, mostly high school dances and you know homecoming kind of stuff. I had to have a light show. I wanted to have a little light show. So All right. I bought the, oh, yeah. Back then, there was a Home Depot, but there's a handy den. So we bought a how-to electric book and sat down and read it. Build ourselves a little light show. I said, you know what? That's pretty cool. I'm going to be no an electrician way. now. That's, so awesome. that's how I started. Man. That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Do you still yeah. DJ on the side? Uh, no, not anymore. Right. Actually, funny story <laughs> about that. In 1991, we got a buddy of mine who owned a big nightclub in San Antonio at the time. Uh, his, him and his, his brother uh, was, was all going. They won a trip to a local radio station to Tahiti. And he was started messing around with his wife right before they were supposed to leave, right before the, the wedding, right? So they broke up his brother and his wife so he calls me up and says hey got two tickets to tahiti of course i didn't have two 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 nickels to shake together <laughs> so i sold my system that's how i i stopped doing oh that. that's how i did so for a trip to tahiti heck, yeah okay. we went to tahiti it was great it was awesome well worth it but, uh, yeah it was well worth well, it it was an unbelievable trip i'll never forget it, it was just fate and so so ends the dj yeah, i was off i was off the records but it was still i still have all the records though okay a lot of vinyl still so that's good well, speaking of things that are good, the electrical business is good. Yes. And San yes. Antonio is a great place to be doing it. Yeah. Uh, what have you found to be kind of, you know, Florida is, is big on surge and yep. hurricanes. Yep. And, you know, in the north, we have windstorms and ice storms that knock down wires. What's the what's the big to do about San Antonio and electrical contracts? Well, like everywhere else, surge is still, you know, the, the, the um, constant uh, issues and imperfections we have in our power systems around the country. Our line, just like everywhere else in major metropolitan areas, are antiquated. And so there's a lot of uh, consistent service issues. Um, most all power surges come from the utility anyways, from the constant uh, surge of power from the residences, the ACs coming on, going off. And and so that's a that's a big part of our business. I think we sold a couple thousand surge protectors last wow. year. Uh, and then just uh, we have a lot of older homes dating back in 20s and 30s and 40s. You know, we'll knob and tube. We do a lot of rewires. A lot of service panel and feeder replacements, but it's, it's a it's a very good market. We're pushing 2.5, 2.6 million metro. We own all that territory now, so it's been good. We got plenty of room for growth. You know, that's why we haven't chose to to do much else in terms of territory. We did, however, my kids bought a Ben Franklin just recently, so we're going to be doing oh that. very nice we're roll truck in about a month. So we're excited about that. Uh, should provide some good cross branding yeah. opportunities for yeah, you for sure, for sure. Sure. So in-home services is uh, kind of the big theme of our conference and authority brands as an umbrella company. Right. Uh, and and in-home services requires, you know, a consistent, trustworthy person to be in the home. Yep. How have you found your people and what have you done to develop them into your version of professional standing in the home looking great? You know, the whole deal. Well, there's two parts of that question. The first part, obviously, is spending the time. Uh, and we use a multiple of, of ideology and how to identify the type of personalities these folks are when they come in. And through that personality um, identification, we're able to kind of at least understand who they are, what they come from, what the normal mindset is on about anything. And that's how we'll usually get that, get to decide if we're going to go ahead and bring them on or not. It's hard to find a lot of information other than, than, than uh, references, which we check thoroughly but uh, mostly it's character you know hiring for character and then we're just all about training and i appreciate that tone blue in the face you know you know we don't we don't sell anything anymore you probably understand that we educate our customers and let them make their choices and, and uh 
like he said today, if we're not providing op- options, we're providing ultimatums. You know, we're not right. treating them right, right? Nice that Tommy very, Mello quote. I thought that was very intuitive, right? So, uh, so that's that's what's going on in San Antonio. Mostly packages, old work, uh, a lot of surge protection is just like anything anywhere else. But um, it's a good environment for, for our type of business for sure. Now, George, if I remember your story correctly, uh, your first transition out of a DJ and then into the electrical industry. Uh, didn't have uh, a smooth sail from there to here. <laughs> so I, I believe there's been some ups and downs. Why don't you share a little bit of that? Yeah, we, we had electrical contracting business from, I guess I started, uh, actually went to business and, oh God, it must have been 81 when I first started out. And, I, and it was funny because it's full circle. When I went to business first, uh, it was service to begin with. I figured I was a one-man show. And I actually had a, a straightforward pricing guide back in those days. I just developed myself. I still have it in my office. I'm really proud of that old thing. It worked <laughs> really well back then. And uh, had um, basically started with that and a couple of ads in the local papers. And, and we, we ran like that for about eight years. And then in the early 90s, I got into residential wiring. Uh, it was, um, you know, pretty pretty big business back then. It is today even more so. San Antonio is just growing like a weed. But like everywhere, we've had a couple of turndowns economy throughout those times. 2008 was really hard. Us, I bought Mr. Sparky in 2007. Okay. Uh, with the, with the influence that I was going to move over to that because the stability, all I was ever doing with the other businesses, basically chasing money, and that gets to be real old real quick. Sure. And uh, while it was a good living, was a good opportunity. I was well established. I had a lot of customers. It just was getting really, really burdensome. And at 45 years old, I made the decision to go ahead and buy this franchise and, and uh, it's never turned back hardest thing was going from the contracting mentality it took me about five six years to get off that train to where i could mentally focus on our operation systems process procedures and sops which we, we that's how we run our business today and we're fanatic about it um so um but yeah it was a rough ride but without that business i wouldn't have been able to write the checks for for the first part of my my territory and then in 2009 buying the rest of it and then when i shouldn't have been buying anything but it was a good move and, and i got my my daughter and my son-in-law helping run the business um so that's helped to pretty, uh, completely to change my life you know i'm out of operations pretty much i just kind of mentors try to steer the ship you know and uh, uh it's been a fun ride we're yeah. really starting to enjoy it now now you mentioned that it took you a while to get from my you know quote unquote, so to speak, the contractor yeah. mentality into where you are now. What would you say has been some of the, the key trans, uh, transformations in your mindset from where you were then to where you are now? Two things. One, in the old type business, it was all about networking and relationships. So it was a relationship built business. I was the relationship with all the people that I did business with. It's just the way the construction, commercial construction is. Where in our, our other, this business, relationships is with our people and with the customer and for that to me was understanding and learning uh, what my limitations were and starting to trust uh, the people around me and start delegating some of the responsibility you were becoming your own ceiling so to speak exactly right so once i figured out that uh, my daughter and my son-in-law were both uh, a major reason because i trusted them and I, i was this old guy you know been around doing it for so long and it was hard but I think once I realized that, um, it, we turned the fire on. 2017, we really started rocking and rolling because my last job I did was 2015 for the other business. And I, I had to wind it down. I had projects that would go out six, eight months, so we had to wind it down. And we took off. 
you know, we've been we've been averaging about uh, 22, 23% growth a year since then. Wow. We're going to do, like I said, a little bit over six and a half, six, six this year. So we're excited about it. And I think it's going to, going to, it bodes well for our future. For yeah. sure. Speaking of the future, uh, the trades is constantly expanding. So is the yep. home services industry. Uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, George, what would you say is, you know, something, words of advice or, you know, looking back over all these years, this is what I would tell somebody who's considering getting into the trade, whether it's as a technician or as an owner, uh, what words of wisdom do you have for them? People, you have to understand your people. You have to keep them interested. You have to keep them involved. As we heard today, it was just great hearing those things. Uh, You got to be willing to, to surround yourself with good folks, good folks that are going to be like a sponge and, uh, uh, most of us don't realize at our at, at our years of experience that are that are trying to endeavor into a, something like this, whether we're young or we're old, uh, how much we can do more when we surround ourselves with people that have the abilities to do those things. You know, so that's that be my best advice is just open up your mind and and you'd be surprised at what you get done. I've been you know I've learned more in the last couple of years than I've learned my entire life, and that's just crazy to me that if I had just realized all these things 20 years ago where would i be today right yeah you haven't even been listening to the podcast (laughs) wait wait until you do my man oh man i'm I'm excited about you know but to me it's it's not how you start it's how you finish right guys heck yeah heck yeah so i appreciate you let me come on talk to you thanks george i was on i was on the i was on the podcast yeah Yeah, we gotta get you on for a full episode i'd love to Uh, be maybe you and sherry yeah come on we we have not done a father-daughter episode yet cool it'll be cool that'll be a cool story yeah i'd love to get her on she's she's an amazing young woman uh, sometimes i just look at her and it just and i'm sucking my daughter she just has so much intelligence i never realized all that stuff was there in her head and she's a pretty girl to meet her like, mom yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that's probably a good idea no my wife keeps me straight for sure but thank you so much man thanks george awesome. sure. thanks I lo- coming I on george back and see you guys take care bye-bye all right we're starting another mini session of the waste no day podcast you're in uh arlington texas arlington Joining us today is David Crow. He is the owner of a Benjamin Franklin out of Mansfield, Texas. Wow. Yeah, work on the Mansfield, Texas? Texas. Yes, it's a a conjoined state. You might be surprised to hear that. Well, you're letting the cat out of the bag. We didn't know. We haven't told anyone yet that the two states have merged. (laughs) (laughs) Well, David, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into the plumbing business? Absolutely. So a little over 25 years ago, um, I was looking to make some type of change. I was actually working on communication towers, hanging all the antennas that you see on them. Like the big ones, the The 500 feet ones. ones. Yeah. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. Up to 2,000 feet. No, thank you. And uh, so the owner, Bill McDaniel, and my dad went to church together. And he had started uh, the company out of his garage and my dad thought we should meet so we met and shook hands and kind of funny part of that story is he used to tell me a little bit about what he wanted to do how he was going to take care of customers and how he's going to take care of <clears throat> the employees something that you guys are all familiar with the customer wins the employee wins the customer the company's always taken care of you never have to worry about the company triple win yeah so we got finished with all that and i cut straight to the chase and i said so what does it pay and he said, I'll pay you $7 an hour. I said, $7 an hour? And he put, his hand, on, he put my hand, his hand on my shoulder and he said, 
maybe I misunderstood exactly how much plumbing experience do you have? I said, none. He goes, exactly. I'll pay you $7. <laughs> what year was this? Oh, 1997. That, that is the exact same year I started and was getting paid $7 an hour. Really? Amazing. Yeah. In a, well, in a, in a plumbing warehouse, I started anyway. Yeah. Well, we, back uh, a, little, a little bit further than that as an apprentice for family, but I started in a plumbing warehouse, 97 for seven bucks an hour. Yeah, and look where we're at now. You're yeah, look at us doing now. great things. On a, uh, a low-rate <laughs> podcast with like five <laughs> listeners. And- Such a success. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've made it. <laughs> you are doing so good. But now uh, Bill took uh, took me under his wing and you know taught me everything about taking care of customers and just doing things the right way and um, instilled that in us and all of our all of our employees. We probably had five at the time. And he took his daughter, Courtney, and he put her through school, taught her the, the business side of the, of the business. And 25 years later, um, we're the fourth largest Ben Franklin in the country. We've got great employee retention, stay super involved in the community. Um, it's, it's so many of the things that you hear all the really good and successful companies do. It's just investing in your people. Um, Great customer service, great customer experiences. Uh, coming to events like these, uh, they do a, such a good job. But I think the breakouts when we get a chance to network with people that we admire and respect, and just hear what they're doing, and being able to share, uh, is what we take back to our teams. It's always the best part of these. Now, Tommy's speech today was pretty good, but uh, that got you guys excited, right? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my I mean, goodness. We're, we're only human, buddy. You know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> Man, that, how do you, you have to be around that guy. I'd, I'd have to get in shape to be around that guy, but I would be motivated to be in that kind of shape. He's just oh, inspiring, yeah. just an inspiring person to be around. You know, and that's, I think the difference is that, that we've evolved, our industry's evolved. <clears throat> and if you're going to grow your business and retain your people, you have to constantly be looking for new ways to motivate them, um, inspire them or they're just going to be looking for a paycheck. And so I think one of the things that we work really, really hard on is not only the technical training, which allows them to be better at the craft that they've chosen to provide for their families, um, but it gives a better experience to the customer. Customers are no different um, with us as technicians when you go in your house than they are with pets. Pets sense, you know, the insecurities, the timidness, well, your customers are no different. If you, if you don't go in there and you're confident and if you're not prepared, it makes makes the experience unsuccessful for both parts. And the same with pets. Like you might just have a little bit of a fear of a dog, a fear of dogs, but a pet, a, a dog smells that or senses that or sees it on you, and they automatically distrust you. Yes. They think there's something wrong with you. And our clients, not calling our clients dogs, not all of them no, anyway. not all of them. <laughs> but- they, they feel the exact same way, and we feel the same way in any transaction we're in, in in customer service when we're the customer, which is if someone's super nervous and timid and can't look in you in the eye and they're looking down and they can't shake your hand or you know it's you you think they're doing something shady. Yes, it's just we're we're wired to think that they're they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing, when in reality it's just nerves. We're just nervous, but uh, for whatever reason they. It's a distrust thing automatically. So starting there with 
standing up straight and looking someone in the eye and giving a firm handshake and smiling. And, you know, you learn who's that uh, Jack Schaefer, the FBI agent we yes. had on, on yep. earlier in the, sh- or in the show last year. So that you raise, you raise your chin and smile because when you raise your chin and you show your artery there, it means you're exposing. Yourself, you're exposing it and it actually brings people's guard down like automatically. So, yeah, little little tricks or strategies like that, but all in all, making you stand up straighter and just be uh, confident and firm in your presentation, it goes a long way. Do you see or do you feel like um, that training has evolved to that point with your technicians more than just the technical training part over the years? Oh, we've, yeah, we spend, I mean, people don't like this about us, but we spend more time um, training the soft skills than technical skills for the most of the, most of the technical stuff you're going to learn at our shop. You're going to learn in a passenger seat. Yeah. I mean, our, our formalized training is basically all communications. Yeah. The, the organic training is where the technical stuff is done in the field. There's, yeah. there's one day a week of technical training in the shop. The rest are dedicated to, to communication training. Other than that, yeah. you're learning in the field. And that's, you guys are nailing it, doing an amazing job at it. It's the things that we focus on. Um, and when you get a new technician that comes on board that uh, isn't familiar with us, sometimes they're like, so when are we going to get to the other stuff? Well, you're already a plumber. I, we're we're going to get to the technical part of it, but I've got to make you just as confident uh, with the customer experience as you are with your technical skills. That's really you know, when you hire an experienced plumber, you're not hiring somebody that you feel like you need to teach how to plumb. Hopefully. Exactly. It and, does happen. And why is that? That the reason being, if, if you're, if you're smooth and a, and a super outgoing people person, you have no problem connecting with people early in life. You probably did not migrate naturally to HVAC. Like or or an electrician or a plumber work you know working with tools and under a sink or something you migrated into something like sales some some form of communication one typically throughout you know our industry's history the pay has been much better in something like sales if you're good at it yeah so we get people who migrated into the trades because they were good with their hands almost never great communicators so we have to train overwhelmingly on that part of it. It's not natural to us. Oh, you're right. So like when, uh, when I was being trained with Bill, um, it was his son, the other plumber that was with us, his dad owned a plumbing company that went under, um, and we had two apprentices. So I was the least experienced person in the company, and I was the oldest one other than Bill, the owner. And so I was learning the technical skills, but as I got, uh, got through the training process and got to be in a truck, my communication skills, just an easy guy to talk to, love talking to people, love the customer experience. And so I was more, had more success with the customers and getting jobs and upselling jobs and stuff like that, even though I didn't have the years experience that the other guys did. And so when we would talk about that, I'm like, I just, they want to know what, what is it you're doing? I'm like, I'm just talking to them, finding out you know, what do you, what's your needs? What are you looking to get? You know, you're looking to get this thing fixed. Is it, if it's fixable, what, and just communication with them. And so I didn't really hadn't been through any kind of training to speak of. It was just communication skills. And then so what we found out, I went to Bill several years later 
And in Texas, you've got to have 4,000 hours to get a license. And so you're usually an apprentice helping another plumber on a job with all the other stuff. So they're getting their technical skills, but no one's focusing on the soft skills. Right, right. And then so by the time we'd get you your license and I'm ready to, we'd be ready to put you in a truck, these guys weren't prepared. And so I just went to him. I said, this isn't working. You got guys that only want to plumb because they don't have the skills. We haven't taught them how to go in and have the customer interaction with them. And so they're struggling. Everybody should have the technical skills. They've got the plumbing license. But that's when we started focusing on, on the soft skills. And they know, they know like, if, if I don't know how to install a pedestal sink, I, I know that I can learn that skill. Like I know through practice and training and trial and error, I'll, I'll figure that out, right? For whatever reason, pl- great plumbers do not think they can learn the communication stuff. They tend to think that I'm just, that's just not me. Whereas I, I have not found a, a single person yet who, if they were dedicated to it, could not learn the soft skills communication. Now, you're not going to make Prince Charming out of yeah. anyone, but the ability to effectively communicate so that they, they turn high tickets and have a high conversion rate and take very good care of their clients and maintain that 4.8, 4.9 star Google average uh, on the reviews is trainable to any personality type I've ever come across if they're dedicated to learning it. Oh, no doubt. And you guys probably have the same experiences. We've had some of the guys that we put to training like that, that you'd almost want to call them Mr. Grumpy um, when you see them in the mornings at the shops, but they have some of the greatest reviews because once they get, when it comes time to take care of the customer, they can turn it on, do whatever needs to be done. <laughs> yep. And then the more that we work with them, you kind of see a change in them. You know, and unfortunately, sometimes guys just aren't willing to change. They've, they've come from shops where they didn't have a big emphasis on training of any sort. And so they're just used to, as long as I got in the truck and showed up today, that was acceptable. And I, I don't know how we got, got past that in the interview process, but yeah, that's not it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there, Dave, it's 4,000 hours to get your technical license. Imagine if you applied 4,000 hours of communication training. Oh, my gosh. Right? I mean, the difference that would make, and yet it's often just a, oh, yeah, I mean, you'll figure it out in the field thing, right? So, I mean, I want to ask you now you're the owner, would you rather take somebody with plumbing experience and train them in communication or somebody with communication experience and train them in plumbing? Oh, communication skills. We can teach you the technical skills. Yeah. Well, again, they're open to learning the technical skills. They know mm-hmm. that they can learn it. It's the other way around that tends to be so difficult because it, it's not tangible. Yeah. You don't see it working, so it's hard to, hard to think that it is. Yeah. They, we make it – we had made it in the past harder than it need to be. You know, the old ways of doing it, this is a really good plumber, okay, but he's not good with people. So it's not a good fit. Yeah. People is always a big piece of business, especially our internal customers, also known as employees or coworkers. Uh, what are some ways that you continuously motivate your people? How do you keep them upbeat and positive? What do you do internally to, to create that atmosphere or culture? So some of the things that we do, um, we have deals, different events that we put on in the shop. Uh, the very first Friday of every month, we the managers all cook for the employees anywhere from 
depending if we've reached a goal or the a managers goal. cook for the employees. We managers cook for the employees. Love it. I love it. Yeah. So we easy, uh, easy, buddy. Don't, <laughs> yeah, don't get any ideas. Yeah. So we'll let them pick. We've, uh, you know, we've set some goals. When I made a statement the first time we, uh, um, I think broke a million dollars in the service department. I said I'd cook sirloins for everybody. All right. And they did not let me Live forget about yeah. it. So we did. <laughs> And um, we do those. We have several events through the years where we was shut the company down uh, on a weekend day. Uh, we top golf, just different things that we do. Um, those are family events. They can bring their families. But at the shop, we'll have different deals. Like, have you guys heard of uh, Easy Locks, I think is the name of it? Uh, Brownie Locks. BrownieLocks.com. There literally is national... Uh, donut day, national, there's a doggy day, burrito day, all the different stuff. So we've had, when it was national donut day, there's, there's a company that does everything. We actually had them come on site and they made fresh donuts for everybody on site. Oh man. There was national, uh, sunglasses day. So we had one of the ladies in the shop. She's really good at this stuff. She went and got all the light up sunglasses for everybody, all that stuff. And we had snacks and everything in there. So everybody got in there and we did it. Just all kinds of different stuff to get the guys involved. We There's a charity that we are part of called Allies in Youth Development, and they do an event called Christmas in July. And so they'll give us a list of what the kids are needing, and then we'll set up tables, and we'll put all the stuff on each individual ta- table. The guys get Santa Claus hats on. Some of them take it a little too far. I mean, they get, all, they get into it. <laughs> you know, the light up. Uh, necklaces and yeah, stuff that look awesome. like the Christmas tree lights and then they'll come through and they'll make all the bags for everybody and then we'll put those together donate them just just team stuff yeah that's great so important David I know you have other things you were looking to do tonight so we appreciate you stopping by and joining us on the podcast gotcha thanks for having me thanks hey just getting ready to start another <laughs> mini session of the Waste No Day podcast joining us today is Tim Bridges with the Cleaning Authority welcome here Tim Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Where are you based out of, man? Out of Detroit, uh, Troy, oh. Michigan. All right, yeah, north uh, north suburbs. Nice. I am a I am a Detroiter. I oh, grew nice. up in Detroit. Yeah. Right. Is that the appropriate way of Detroiter? Yeah. It's very appropriate. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's what we would have been called when I was one. I gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Tim. Uh, for those who are not familiar with what the Cleaning Authority is, why don't you give us a little bit of a understanding of that? So we're the largest residential cleaning service in North America. Um, wow. I think we have 239 offices around the U.S. and Canada right now. Um, most of our customers get their houses cleaned uh, on a, like a bi-weekly frequency. Uh, we clean every week, every two weeks, or every four weeks. We do some one-time only cleans. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're cleaning houses. Yeah. And what is your position? Um, so I'm a franchise owner and I, I work for the, the corporate office as well, supporting uh, franchise ease. <laughs> awesome. He's got, he's got some uh, people in the, in the audience of two <laughs> making fun of him right That's now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> My understanding is that the cleaning authority either requires or strongly encourages franchise ownership to be in a corporate position. Um, well, a lot of people that are uh, on the corporate staff are our owners. Yeah. And that's yeah, so, so. Re- so relatable, right? Because you know what it's like to be making decisions that impact people on the ground, so to speak. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're living it every day and have done it for a long time and we can help support those new franchise owners coming in and um, you know, people that haven't been through those situations yet. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a great model. Speaking of the model. So uh, we're doing, obviously Brian and I are on the HVAC plumbing and electrical side of things. It's an in-home service. You guys are literally in service, right? You're, you're doing everything in the house. Uh, there's a, a high level of trust that comes with cleaning. And it's, it's kind of one of those things that you don't really think about until you ask a stranger to come do it, right? You're going into bedrooms, you're going into bathrooms, you're going into basements and private areas. What does that look like? How, how do you bring the trust authority into the cleaning authority? How do you bring that from a personnel standpoint? And what, what do you do to train the people to maintain that level of trust? So a lot of it starts with the in-home estimate. So we, we go out to the house and talk with a customer and it's just, it's getting them comfortable with who we are and letting them know that, you know, they, they know we're, we're local. And if there's a problem, we're there to take care of it. Um, we do background checks and all the employees before they come on board with us. And like, honestly, a lot of times, even just, just talking to employees or, or, or prospective employees about background checks, it, it filters like people self filter. Um, but we want to make sure that we're hiring the right people that we're comfortable with so we can send them into our customers' houses and they can be comfortable with them as well. So I'm guessing there's a couple levels of training that go into it. There's the, the physical aspect of actually how to clean things, which I'm sure you have schooling or training regarding that. But then there's also the, um, the what not to do, so to speak, like, you know, leave it as you found it. Uh, I'm sure there's an element of that. And then there's also the people side and communications kind of run us through those three different areas of training and what you do to approach an employee in relation to the customer. Yeah, we, we do spend a lot of time training. Um, it's, it's important. Um, we, we don't want to just take a person and throw them in a house with a vacuum and some rags. Um, so we want to make sure that they, they, uh, they know what to do. We want them to feel confident in their job too. That helps people to stick with us, right? If we, we have employees that uh, know what they're supposed to do and feel confident in that they, they do stick around longer. Um, as far as stuff in the house goes, yeah, everything's going to go back where, where it was, right? We want to put stuff kind of back in place. We'll, we'll, we'll tidy up a little bit, put, you know, pillows in the corner of the couch and fold up blankets and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, stuff on tables or whatever, we, we kind of want to leave it where it was. Uh, and then there's the customer service aspect of the business. We want to make sure that our employees, um, they don't have to spend a lot of time chit-chatting with the customers, but, you know, say hello and goodbye and, and, and are pleasant in the house. And, you know, anything that the customer asks that's reasonable that, you know, that they're going to take care of it for the customer that day. Uh, communicate with the office about scheduling, things like that. So the customer needs us on you know, Tuesday next week instead of Monday. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It's, what are, just out of curiosity, what are some unreasonable things that a customer might ask for? We try to make sure that our employees keep both feet on the floor at all times to keep them safe, right? Okay. We don't want them climbing up on, on counters or climbing ladders or anything like that. So we, we do get requests like that from time to time. Like, well, hey, when I clean my house, I climb up on a ladder and I go get that, that ceiling fan 20 feet up. Like, we're not going to do that. <laughs> um, so we, 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 get, we get some requests like that from time to time. If we get someone from duty calls on, let's ask them the same question. <laughs> That's going to get entertaining. Uh, Tim, I have to ask, uh, you know, in the cleaning world, I would imagine there's a, a wide swath of opinions as to what is clean, right? So uh, in, in our world of electrical HVAC and, and plumbing, there's not nearly a uh, 
hands-on approach to things, right? So most people are like, hey, I'm not a plumber. You guys do whatever it is. But in cleaning, literally everybody has cleaned something. Right. Right? And it's either the faucet runs or it doesn't. Like, yeah. There's, n- yeah, there's not a whole right. lot of gray area. But if you clean my house and I inspect it, I think you did a great job. My wife inspects it. It could be a whole different, like, <laughs> it's two completely different grading how, yeah, scales. How do you manage that expectation? It is all gray area, right? Um, and, and, and we'll have some customers that say, you know, I'm so excited that I hired you because uh, now I get back eight hours on my Saturday. Like, whoa, oh boy. <laughs> we're not going to spend eight <laughs> hours cleaning your house. <laughs> so, yeah, at that point, it, and, and that's where the in-home estimate helps, right? We're, we're in the house talking to the customers. So when they say something like that, it's our chance to, to kind of set expectations. I so, imagine that's critical. So you're having that upfront con. Are you doing an automatic upfront contract where you say typically this takes two to three hours for this size home? And We normally don't give them an amount of time. Um, if people ask about it, we'll, we'll let them know that uh, you know, this house, you know, this size, two people, maybe, maybe two or three hours. We always kind of let them know that our, our job is to come in and clean the house and the team will stay as long as they need to to clean the house. Um, so they're really paying for a job, not not paying for time. What about the differences of houses? Sounds so, familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so maybe I have a, a house built from the 1700s and I have a ton of antiques and you know very ornate decorations and things that take a lot of care and precision to take care of. Brian's more of a modern guy and he's all about stainless steel, clean lines and nothing on them. Do you build that into the price or how does that work from you know, the ground? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a big difference in price between those two situations. Um, you know, uh, uh, newer houses seem to take a little bit less time to clean. Um, older houses, you know, e- even, even a house that's like the same um, um, like number of square feet, those older houses tend to have smaller rooms and more ornate woodwork and things like that. So they, they do take longer to clean. Um, so we'll, we'll factor that into the price. Um, things in the house that maybe they don't want us to touch. Again, it gets back to that in-home estimate. So as we're walking through the home, we can ask, hey, are there certain things in your house you just don't want us to touch? And that's the customer's opportunity to let us know to stay away from certain things. Now, I would imagine in your world, you probably have a strong uh, recall on people who clean the house and that relationships. Like I really loved when Jane came out, like she did a great job. I only want Jane in my house. How do you handle that from a scheduling standpoint? If Jane takes vacation, but you know, you have, they want their house clean that week and what are you going to do? And then they get upset because you sent out Frank and Frank didn't do it. Like Jane does it. How do you handle all that? So luckily for us, we work in teams of two. Okay. Uh, so we can send Jane's team. Um, so if, if those two can't take off at the same time. Huh? That's right. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We try to make sure that they, they kind of alternate. Um, but we can send Jane's team and Jane's partner will be there with, with a different partner that day. And, and typically Jane's partner would know what to do. And customers for the most part are happy if we're consistent like that. If, you know, if, if there's at least one employee who's been there before and knows the house and knows how to get into the house and what to do in the house with anything special like that. Now, what about uh, sales? So, I mean, obviously we're, we're paying for a service, we're paying for cleaning. Is there an, an ability to do upselling? How, you know, how can I get, can I get a higher level of cleaning or more intricate or, you know, do you do like a base level of cleaning that's only dusting versus dusting, sweeping, mopping and all that? Or do we start going outside the home? What does upsell, upselling or sales look like in your world? It, it's pretty much we're cleaning the house or not cleaning the house. Um, some we, we, we'll, 
uh, re- reduce the area of the house sometimes. So if some customers that kind of want just the areas of the home that they use a lot clean, so they're, they're going to cut out the dining room or maybe those, those extra bedrooms, areas like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty much, we, we come in and detail the home the first time or the first, first couple times, get it to a base level, and then we're going to maintain it there. So that's, that's what we try to do. Now, I guess from time to time, you would probably come across some broken expectations, right? So I'm, I'm assuming that there's probably a level of my house needs to be in some sort of clean status, right? There can't just be an explosion like at my house with four kids, you know, under 10, like things are going on all over the place. So what happens when your cleaning crew gets out to a house and it's, it's not in a condition prepared to be cleaned? Like, are, do you train your people on how to have that conversation? Is that a non-starter or do you just say like, all right, we got to charge you double today? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. Um, and it does happen from time to time and, and we'll just try to clean around the stuff that's there. So we're not going to, we don't, we don't pick up, so we, we don't organize. Um, but you know, we, we do the, the vacuuming, the dusting, uh, those, those types of things, the kitchens, bathrooms, um, but we'll, we'll clean as best we can and, and we'll kind of push stuff off to the sides as much as we can. Or maybe, you know, a kid's bedroom with lots of clothes on the floor, pile them up on the bed or kind of push them into the corner so we can at least vacuum and dust a little bit, get some cobwebs and make the home look nicer for, the, for that customer. Now, what about overcoming challenges? So in our world, we have supply chain issues, you know, in the electrical, we, we still can't get some breakers and certain uh, load centers and things like that. Uh, what type of challenges have you seen in the cleaning world and what does that look like to overcome those? Yeah, we've seen lots of supply chain challenges just like everybody else. Um, so like uh, gloves, uh, we, we use a lot of gloves, a lot of disposable gloves, and we've had to just switch suppliers. Uh, the, the price went way up. Uh, we were buying gloves pre-pandemic, $4 a box. And during the pandemic, $35 a box, oh something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, crazy inflation on some of that stuff. Um, we do try to make sure that we, we place orders earlier than we used to because some, some things take much longer to arrive than they used to. Um, but th- there's nothing that we can't get at this point. So we've been able to kind of pivot a little bit here and there where we need to. What about acquiring talent, right? So what has been some effective recruiting strategies for you? I mean, I would imagine that, uh, or, or what does even a ramp up period look like for somebody who say, I've never cleaned a thing in my life. What does that look like for you getting in touch with me and then putting me through a training program? Most of our new employees haven't cleaned a house and that's and kind of how we like it. We, we want to start with kind of a blank slate right. and, and train them. So first two weeks on the job, uh, they're, going through in, they're going through training in the houses. Um, we do videos in the morning and they go out with the trainer and, and kind of do what they saw in the videos. Um, and then at about 60 days, they go through a little bit kind of more in-depth training. Um, but really most of the time, by, by the time our employees are with us about four weeks, they're pretty efficient at what they do. So you said they're going to, they're going through a training and then spending 60 days in the field and then coming back and going. And doing more training. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's right. Well, Tim, as we kind of bring things in for a landing here, I do want to ask you as a, as a personal owner of a franchise, what are your next three moves for 2023? Um, I think I, I want to make sure that we're, we, we're staffed up. So staffing has been a challenge, uh, for about two years now. Um, and we're, we're kind of getting to a point where we're, we're in a better place and I want to make sure that, that we, we keep it that way. Um, we want to focus on training our employees and retaining our employees. So that's, I mean, really, I think it all comes down to employees at this point. 
Um, you know, they're, they're, they're the face of our business. So, you know, I go out and do an estimate or my managers go out and do an estimate. The customer sees us really from then on every two weeks, they're seeing our employees. So we want to make sure we're, you know, we have appropriate staffing levels. Um, our, our training is good and we're retaining those people. Yeah, as uh, our man uh, Walter Bond talked to us this morning, we're not in the cleaning business. We're not in the HVAC business. We're in the people business. That's right. We are. It's a great place to leave it. Tim Bridges, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Hey, we're starting another episode, a mini episode of the Waste No Day podcast, and we have none other than Jonathan Boston joining us from Color World Paint Team. Welcome here, Jonathan. Hi. No, it doesn't say we're out of uh, Columbus, Ohio, oh, the corporate gosh. offices. What are we doing here? <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us, Jonathan. Yep. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Color World and what you do there? Sure. Uh, Color World, well, we started as Color World House Painting. We're now Color World Painting uh, to help us get into more of the commercial world. <clears throat> Is that interior, exterior? Interior, exterior. We do gutter installation, holiday lighting, um, okay. carpentry work, drywall work. Oh, wow. Uh, kind of a one-stop shop for the for that, that home, exterior home services and interior work. And really beyond electrical and plumbing and uh, HVAC, those items will lead to the, uh, the professionals and Mr. Yes. Sparky. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the professionals appreciate that. Yes, yes. <laughs> so what, what is your role? What do you do? I'm the VP of operations. I've been with the company for 18 years. Uh, so I've worn a lot of hats uh, through the day-to-day. I was actually part of a team that uh, was in Cincinnati for four years when Colorwood was just starting to grow. Um, hiring, recruiting finding office space, all those different things to kind of grow. So I bring that to the table with our franchisees to be able to really support them in that day-to-day. Like, how do you operate this business um, amongst all the other things that I help with with our systems? It, it is a great thing with even with all of the brands, really franchising in general. But um, we recently had Ken Goodrich on, who's a kind of a big name in the HVAC world. And he was saying if he was starting a new company as a new owner today the first thing he would do was either get involved in in these uh mastermind groups or join a franchise and it's like even if you're going to start a painting business you know how to paint and that's about where it stops you know running a successful business is is just beyond your scope but everyone thinks that it's just a matter of painting (laughs) it's great to hear that even in this with color world you join up and you know you, you get to practice what you love to do which might be painting and then you have someone mm-hmm. like yourself jonathan to help teach you how to run the business yeah yeah exactly and, and a lot of our franchisees when they come in they're not painters they're business owners bankers realtors um in our our specific model we use a lot of subcontractors for our workforce you know the industry's changed a lot over the years um with painters you know you don't get individuals entering the market too often you get more just small, small mom and pop painting companies that are great at their trade, but not great on the business side. Mm-hmm. So we're, we connect with them to get them to work, get them, you know, constantly busy. And it gives us a professional workforce that we don't have to deal with all the HR and trainings and, you know, Hey, this is how you hold a paintbrush. They know all that. We focus on the sales lead generation, uh, running the business. They handle the work. Okay, so that's a that's a definitely a different twist on the model that I was thinking of. So you're uh, mainly GMing projects then? Yeah, essentially. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah and, and as the franchise grows, there are opportunities that we do and make, you know, with employees. You know, we'll have like a, 
you know, a, a market that's been open five, 10 years, I'd start getting some warranty calls. Um, we'll, you know, always, we coach them how to put together a warranty team, uh, with the holiday lighting aspect. We do use some employees on that level too. So, uh, just as they grow and scale, uh, there's opportunity there for more traditional, you know, employee. So in, in our world, in the HVAC plumbing and electrical world, you know, we, we have uniforms when you're using subcontractors, what does that look like in your world? Yeah. Um, I mean, tip traditional painter wear the painter whites, you know, the white shirt, white pants. Um, you know, we have a bunch of different partnerships with paint vendors and they a lot of time give us some free t-shirts sometimes with the color world logo, sometimes it's just Sherwin Williams or PPG on there. Um, you know, really whoever we're using at that particular moment market and, and situation um painters love free shirts so give them the shirt they wear it um yeah obviously being a subcontractor you can't say hey you have to wear this um everybody you, loves free shirts yeah you I'd put it wearing in their a hands. color world shirt yes. right now if you gave me one yeah you put it in their hands they wear it so it kind of takes care of itself all right so i want to come right at it jonathan i mm -hmm. mean one of the things in your particular market is uh, a lot of solo operations right so you're competing against uh, very small entities sole proprietors who are out there mm -hmm painting they know how to paint they don't know how to price same thing we deal with in our world correct but from a consumer standpoint why should i use you well i mean our our biggest selling point is our you know one-stop shop you know we're we so many of our jobs have more than one service on them you know and that's what we and that's how it, it came about is you know we started painting houses and when they had some bad cedar siding on their house we say yeah we know this guy call him He'll do it. Or they had, their gutters were causing the bad siding. They, they were leaking. Downspouts were broken. Whatever the situation. You know, okay, you know, call that guy for the repairs. Call that gutter guy for new gutters. And we're like, we're leaving money on the table. So why can't we do this ourselves? So that's where we kind of started building our systems and processes to be able to keep those, recruit those installers and carpenters to work with us as subcontractors. And we just feed them the work. So does that mean that you have like a point person that is your estimator, so to speak, that is aware of all of your areas of expertise mm -hmm. when you go out to the home? Yep, yep. And when you're doing the initial estimate, does it often involve like, hey, Jonathan, you know, I know you called me out here to do some painting, but while I was walking around the outside of your house, I noticed the mortar in your brick is starting to collapse or something. Yep. We're always looking for cross-selling opportunities. Okay, very yep. nice. Uh, as far as training and development, you know, what does uh, Color World offer uh, from a if you're using subs, are you training your subs or what does that look like to maintain the standards that you want to for the brand? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, in our industry, it's, it's pretty cookie cutter um, as far as, you know, what typical painting is, right. You know, uh, if you're doing it right, you're, everybody's about doing it the same way. So we have some brand standards that, you know, when we're onboarding a new crew uh, that, you know, we go over, we review and say, Hey, this is our expectation. This is what our customer expects. So, you know, yep, this is what we need from you. And then we have production management teams that, you know, help monitor crews, especially when they're brand new, really making sure they're doing things correctly. And, and <clears throat> um, there's really, is it much traditional training? Cause they already know how to paint. Okay. So it's just really like, we want you to do it this way. Like make sure you're covering these plants, you know, where maybe they wouldn't cover on their own jobs. You know, anything that we've promised a customer, we want them to be holding up. Now, are most of your franchisees sole proprietors, like they're a singular employee and then they use the subs? Is that the typical setup? That's how a lot of them start. Um, you know, sometimes there's business partners or husband and wife teams and they'll tag team. You know, we always see it like there's two sides of a coin. You have the, the sales side and the production side. So 
uh, typically get split up a lot. But yeah, we've had you know a good handful of franchisees that are owner operator just out there by themselves and you know pounding the pavement, getting everything done, and then using the subs. So that can only they can only really sustain that for so long if they want to grow. So we'll need to add some team members. Speaking of growing, what does 2023 look like for Color World? Uh, are you in all 50 states? What does that look like in terms of growth? Not all 50 states. We're, uh, we, we have about 73 units between about 25 franchise owners. Um, our goal in 23 is to add 17 more franchise owners. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, in about, you know, hopefully, you know, 40, 50 different uh, units. And what does the average territory look like for somebody like that? Are we talking counties or states? Uh, we do zip codes. Zip codes. Uh, 100,000 homes that meet our de- demographic standards within a zip code. And, and typically it's or 100,000 homes within a set of zip codes. So, so like a, you know, Columbus, Ohio, for instance, is like a three territory city, you know, for like a kind of a mid market size city. Right. Uh, so another question uh, that we can jump into, Jonathan, is what are some of the challenges that you've experienced in, uh, you know, the painting and is handyman a fair term, like kind of the, the all small projects type of thing? Uh, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced in this year? What are some things that you're forecasting you're going to experience next year? Um, excuse me. Uh, painting is, so we've, I've been in the company for 18 years, so we've been through recessions. So, you know, you're in a recessionary time, your sales are going to dip, but everybody's looking for work. So like in a downturn in the economy, it's the best time to recruit our workforce. During COVID, Scott demand for painting and our services skyrocketed. Because people were at home. People were at home, spent, right. you know, had more money to spend, and it was never more difficult to find our crews because everybody was out looking. They didn't have to search very hard. So it's kind of, you know, kind of like a balancing act a little bit uh, from an economic side. It's fine, you know, when it's great economically, we're selling a ton of work, but it's a little bit more difficult to find the workforce and retain them. And then on the opposite side, like you're just driving leads and pounding the pavement uh, to find work when it's a little bit, you know, on the opposite side of that, which kind of what we're experiencing right now a little bit. Uh, we've had, been able to find a lot of good crews over the last six months, but as everybody knows there's, you know, inflation and all that fun stuff going on right now. Now in, in our world in plumbing, HVAC and electrical warranty is a big thing. You know, people want to know that they're taken care of and that the company is going to exist. Uh, what type of, you know, guarantees or this is why you should use us sure. uh, because we are, you know, not only do we do a one-stop shop thing, but we also come with all of these cool things. What, what does that look like for color world? Yeah. So our exterior painting services, we do a two year maintenance warranty. So pretty much things, chipping, flaking, peeling, uh, that's not due to like a water damage or you know some structural issue on the home. Uh, come out, take care of it. Your, our paint suppliers usually get us free paint. We'll send out a painter, go repaint it within those two years. After two years, the way the paint technology works, you're pretty much good to go. Uh, that paint was applied properly, it cured properly, and then and then you're good after those two years. After those season changes, that's where you really see the paint failure occur between like cold, hot weathers. Uh, who hasn't had the <clears throat> the uh, circumstance where you had somebody paint and the number was disconnected the next time you called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is and, probably more common in your industry yes. than ours. And that and that is another selling point we were talking about earlier is is that we're here, you know, especially now that we're part of Authority Brands is you know that we have two big names back in the project, uh, knowing that somebody's going to be there and you know life happens, things happen even for us. So 
um, we just, they're going to have an outlet to go to, to to get the help they need to get their project the way they need it to be. Well, Jonathan, we're going to wrap this up here, sure. but the question I wanted to finish off with is obviously you said you went through a name change. You were Color mm-hmm. World House, house painting, painting, and now you're just Color World Painting. Uh, as you look forward, you're the vice president. So as you're looking forward uh, into the brand, where do you see Color World expanding next? Uh, we're really trying to get a really big footprint in the commercial painting space. Uh, we've done a little bit with like property management work, like doing uh, in exterior of clubhouses for apartment communities, condo associations, uh, really getting more into that that bigger space, um, more full time. You know, it's definitely a thing that you as you grow your painting franchise, you're getting into little bit little by little. But we want to make for a bigger push because that that's where you're going to see the scalability and the profitability increase on those bigger ticket projects. Awesome. Yep. Jonathan Boston, thank you so much for yep. joining us today. It was a thank privilege you. to have you on. Great Appreciate to meet you, Jonathan. Thank you. Hey, we're starting another mini episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Joining us today is Joe Hawkins. He is an IAQ trainer. An IAQ trainer. Get out of here. It doesn't exist. I don't believe it. Yep. Yep. I'm the IAQ trainer with Bimax. With Bimax. Fantastic. And what is Bimax for, for our listening audience? So Bimax, we are the sourcing provider, basically, for all the tri-brands. One Hours, Mr. Sparky's, Ben Frank. You see a product or anything out there that you think would be beneficial? Shoot it to us. We're going to source it, see how we can get it to you better at a better price so you can give it to your customer at a better price. Right. So it's that bulk purchasing concept, the Costco uh, concept, if you will. Pretty much. uh, For the three trade brands. Yes, sir. We were were able to do something like that ourselves with Brita Pro. Yep. Yep. Our buddy Joe Kuklis and uh, Brita Pro. Yeah, we uh, found a product that we really liked. We were using them for a minute and brought them to Bimax and Bimax took them on and it is, it's turning into a beautiful thing. I'm learning available natural, or, uh, nationally now through Bimax. So, yeah, it's a yes. big deal. That, just like that. Just like Got that. us a better rate on the equipment and done and done. That's good. A name everybody recognizes. Yeah. So, let's talk, uh, let's talk IAQ, buddy. Yes, sir. How long, have you been, how long have you been doing this, Joe? I've been doing this for five years. Okay. So, I got out the military in 2014, bounced around a little bit. Uh, then I was a contractor in Saudi. Came back from Saudi. I was like, man, I really want to do HVAC. So I got into it in 2017 and uh, got started in the Houston location with Aaron Childress and Jimmy Sanchez. Oh, very nice. Oh, okay, and cool. they trained me up right. I was a sponge and life opened up some great opportunities. I got to teach HVAC last year and then got a call about Bimax, had an open position for a trainer. And I was like, well, let me put my hand in the hat and see if they choose me. And here we are. Okay. Nice. Excellent. So what exactly does the life of a IAQ trainer look like? Not what I thought it looked like. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, no, it's basically Pictured like fancy cars and private jets. Or- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, you talk about product school, but no, it's, it's way more than that. Like I'm talking to the vendors. I'm seeing what the technicians are seeing and what they're saying out there and taking it to the vendors. And basically I'm the face of it. So when I see people and I go to their shops. I'm like, hey, here's the products. Ion, the micro power guard, the air cleaner. Um, just things like that to give them information about it, how to talk about it, why we talk about it, and the benefits of it. So it's a lot of traveling. So the wife sometimes gets mad, but it's, it's worth it. You know, I'm helping out people. Basically, I want to help people get to their goals. And IAQ is a great way to do that and a great way to protect the system. So, so what for all the... Uh Mosquito squads and woofies and uh, America's swimming pools. What is IAQ? So IAQ is indoor air quality. 
is basically in short, the how good is the air in your home, right? So when we're talking about that, the better the air is for your home, the better your system operates. Kind of like water with Brita, right? The better that yeah. water is, it's good for your skin, it's good for your your equipment, your appliances. So IAQ is like that for your HVAC system. You know, you breathe a lot better, your system operates a lot better, and it's overall better for everybody involved. Okay. So what systems do we need in our home? You definitely need a good air cleaner. So is that a given? Like no matter what, no matter what you need no matter a good what. Air. an air don't cleaner. Is that like a our, filter, like a 3M filter? Yeah, don't I have one of those already? Yeah. So if you're using a 3M filter, I would definitely upgrade, upgrade that. Cause even their website tells you that they're not catching what we think they're catching probably like 50% of what's in your home. The rest is just going through your system on your equipment when you say your system are you talking hvac or you're talking yes, body both actually so you got three filters one that you pay for one that you installed and one that you're born with yeah. so you got your 3m filter or your filtry that one inch that's catching about 50 percent of what's in your home and then you got your air your evaporator coil that's the one you installed <laughs> whatever is whatever is bypassed that filter it kind of gets stuck on that and whatever makes it past that evaporator coil you're basically breathing it in your house I like that uh, that staged approach to it, and it's really, unfortunately, it's it's the cheapest one out of all it of is. those that we're looking to do the most work. That is also the most ineffective. Absolutely, right? you know. This next one is why we say at our shop, you either have high quality air filter, or you are an air filter. Absolutely, <laughs> and I believe that wholeheartedly. Your lungs, right? Absolutely, and for me, it got really important when I had my first son. He had RSV and oh, I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I mean, as a tech, I knew it was important, but once it hits home, it gets really it gets important. Real important. Yeah. And so that's my biggest story. What I did for my kids, what I did for my mom and dad, my mom has daycare in her home. So it was like, I tried it. I tested it. I love it. Oh, so you were able to clean up the air for not only mom, but the kids she babysits. Absolutely. Like now. You don't have kids in there coming in sick and it's just going to kid to kid to kid to kid. They right. come in sick and everybody's like, okay, they're sick for a couple of days and then they're good. Well, wow, that's a, that's a great story. And we actually have some of those at our shop too, guys who have personal experience with their children or they have stories. And we really encourage all of our technicians to get stories from clients, yes. whether it's first person or third person to be able to share that and say like, this made the difference. This made a tangible difference in how we were able to go to church or how we were able to uh, celebrate as a family. We didn't miss vacations. We didn't yep. miss birthdays, whatever it was, because people were sick. And this, you know, the, the indoor air quality is what made the difference. I put it in my church. <laughs> That's I, great. Did you really? Yep. Wow. Put it in my church. I was telling my pastor, I was like, hey, this stuff is going to help. And we'll have less people miss. Absolutely. You they know? come on the Sunday and they can still make the Wednesday because they didn't get sick. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. that, that's my biggest thing. Personal stores, because People buy from the person. The products are the products, whether you're switching it with our IQ products or anything else. If you're not that type of person that they can believe and they can trust in, they're not going to buy from you. Yep. And if you, you look at it like a sale, like, hey, I'm going to sell, they're not going to buy. They want a solution. That's why they call this. So how much of your job is education of, of like the ignorance level? I, I don't know what IQ is. And how much of your job is persuasion, so to speak, mm. meaning I know what it is. I just don't believe it. All of it, 100% of it, because a lot of it is you got to educate them like they don't know. They know of it, but they don't know what it is. And then a lot you have some, I can tell you many stories where it's like, I know, it, but I don't believe in it. And it's like, OK, well, let me educate you a little bit. That persuasion kind of 
crosses into education because they were educated wrong, right? And we give them more information, and now they're like, okay, I, was, I wasn't wrong, but I just was miseducated, misinformed. There's a guy in the shop. He called me two weeks later after I did a training. He was like, hey, man, I believe in it now. I, I took what you said, and I looked into it. You're right. You know, it's unfortunate with the, with the homeowners, we can't just say, here, take all of our indoor air quality products, yeah. put them in your home, and in two weeks, if you like them, pay us. The, yeah. pu- the puppy dog clothes. Yeah. <laughs> but with our technicians that are a little bit tougher sell, mm-hmm. we, and by we, I mean you at Bimax, yeah. can certainly say, here, take this product and put it in your home. And if you would like, in two weeks, we'll take it back. Yep. If you'd like to keep it in two weeks, I don't know, pay a little something, but become a cheerleader for the, for the product. And, you know, that's what I did as a tech. Put it in the home. I, I was like, hey, try it out. Thankfully, I had great leadership that was like, hey, that's the way you want to try it? Try it. And let's see how it works. And I would tell them, give me 90 days. If you don't see nothing change. Cool. We'll take it back. We'll give you your money back. Awesome. Well, we want to definitely have a full episode with Absolutely. you where we, where we talk about this um, this topic that is huge for our audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but in the meantime, and I'll contact you next week for that, buddy. Yes, sir. In the meantime, if people want to find you, people want to hear more about what you have to say, uh, maybe they need some convincing, maybe they want to brush up on their presentation skills, where can they reach you? They can reach me at my email, jhawkins at four, the number four, bymax.com. Hawkins at fourbymax.com. That's B-U-Y-M-A-X. Yes, sir. B-U-Y-M-A-X. Or you can reach me at my cell. Uh, it's 931-339-7126. And for people who use Facebook, you'll see me on Team Believe. I'm on there all the time. Sorry, not everybody's on Team Believe, buddy. Only, I know. Only the brands. I know, I know. <laughs> you you got to qualify to be on Team Believe. Absolutely. You know, so get on there. But other, you can reach me those other two ways, and I'll be happy to help you out. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Y'all have a good one. Hey, we're getting ready to start another mini episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Joining us now is Lydia Best. She is the trainer of the Wolfies franchise. And we're looking forward to having her on. Welcome here, Lydia. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. We had your coworker, Jamie, on yesterday. Yeah, was, she's uh, uh, our friend dev person. So that was entertaining. Yeah, she she it sells was. it, and then uh, we. Uh, and then you have to carry through. And then I have to carry through <laughs> all the promises. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, she's such a raving fan that I'd imagine those promises can be pretty hefty. Yeah, well, you know, we we figure it out. <laughs> are you also sporting a tattoo these days? Yeah, where's your am, Woofie's tattoo? I do not have a Woofie's tattoo. Yet. We did, we have, um, I don't know if that'll ever happen. We'll <laughs> what about a waste no day tattoo? Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. That block WND all right, right there. All right, all right, we'll talk about that. All right, you'll, yeah. you'll kick it around. Yeah. yeah we'll see we'll see about that so lydia uh, give us uh, an idea of how long you've been with wolfies and what does your day-to-day look like so i've been with wolfies for um, almost five years it'll be five years next month okay um i actually have a kind of an interesting backstory i had my own pet sitting and dog walking company um that i started about a year before wolfies started theirs and um i sold my company a few years back and um, i had a really good relationship with the owners of wolfies and they came to me and said uh, what are you gonna do with your life I was like, uh, why do I feel like this is a trick question? <laughs> and it was a little bit of a trick question, but it was it was a great opportunity um, to come on board with them. So I actually started on the mobile grooming side with them and, and uh, directing that team for their corporate location, uh, moved into some recor- recruiting roles and uh, some support roles as we started in the franchise world. And uh, the beginning of this year, we became part of the Authority Brands team, which we are the latest of the brands for yeah, Authority Brands. Awesome. Yeah. And... Um, 
I took on a role of uh, direct- the puppy. Sorry. Yeah, the, the puppy. puppy the, we are the puppy. Yeah. Yes, we are definitely the puppy brand in all ways. <laughs> she had a lot of puns. Yeah, <laughs> she does. She does for sure. Um, and uh, so I'm the director of training and support. So once Jamie, you know, awards a franchise, then you know my job kind of kicks in to with the other two operations people and help our franchise owners learn how to run a Woofie's business. So what is that, what is that in, well, without giving away too many trade secrets, what, what does that training entail in terms of, um, well, you're, this is day one, we're working out of our garage here and right. this is your first day on site. So yeah, what is your job I mean, well, like? the, the very first step is obviously the onboarding process and just kind of some of these people that, you know, become franchise owners have not run a business or, don't know anything about kind of even how to set up an entity. So, you know, we go all the way down to the basics and start there. Um, once we kind of get through all of that, you know, stuff, it's, you know, bringing them in for a two-week training, um, teaching them how to use our software system, teaching them how to um, interact with staff, how to hire staff, how, you know, really just every step of the way with them. Wow, that's all-encompassing. Yeah. So you're even doing effectively management training yep. as well as recruiting training. Yep. Uh, all aspects of the business. And when you think about it from that angle, that makes your job very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> we are definitely, uh, I feel like we're a 24 hour uh, help desk support early on. Um, <laughs> we are an emerging brand. So we're, we're very small compared to some of the other um, brands that are within, you know, the authority brands organization. I mean, we only have nine franchise owners. We have 19 territories. Um, so we're very small. So we really take the concept of whatever it takes, you know, to help these guys, um, you know, and, and we're very fortunate to have the backing of authority brands to kind of help us with that. What Um, parts of the country are you in? Uh, so our corporate location, um, started in Northern Virginia. So we have two corporate stores, um, in Northern Virginia. Um, and then we actually have a couple of other handful of our first franchise owners there. Um, we've recently expanded into North Carolina, Kansas city, uh, Oklahoma. We just uh, uh, awarded a couple of territories in New York um, and Texas. Oh, wow. excellent. Okay. Yeah. We have okay. a lot of wide open space. So for anybody out there that wants to uh, own a Woofies, you know, we, so we are probably you, got a place so for you. <laughs> for the people you were just talking to, who are we looking for? Are we looking for people who have no experience running a business and don't know much about dogs and just kind of like this idea and want to get into it? Are we looking for someone who's a pro with dogs and business or everywhere in between? Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, one of the things that we definitely say about Woofies is we're a passion brand. You know, if you don't like dogs <laughs> or don't like pets, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you're in a, in a kid industry, like if you don't like kids, it might not be the best <laughs> industry for you. Okay. So Nate can't get in right, the right, kid right, or the pet yeah. industry or the grown up so, industry. Right. Right. So, you know, you're, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna get some dog kisses. You're going to get some slobber on you. You know, you're, you're going to get a little dirty. Um, so you probably, you know, want to have a passion for pets if you want to get into this industry. Um, you don't have to have, you know, a ton of business experience. That's what we're here for. The operations right. team is here to to teach you all of all of the other stuff. Yeah, you'd you know? much rather take somebody with passion and no business Absolutely. degree because you can train that. You can't train passion, so Ab- to speak. Exactly. What yeah. about the what about the um, customer side? So if you know Nate decided all of a sudden he does like living things and not just technology, and got into dogs and wanted to start a Woofies, can you do you guys help him? customers? Oh yeah, absolutely. We, we have a strong marketing arm, um, behind, uh, you know, behind the brand. 
um, down from, you know, a, a website and all the, you know, SEO and PPC and all of that kind of stuff, direct mail campaigns. Um, we do, you know, one of the interesting things about Woofies is we're very community focused. So we really work a lot with our franchise owners on how do you get into your community? How do you build those relationships? Um, how do you do local events? How do you give back? All of those things, you know, 73% of households have dogs. <laughs> so, you wow. know, there's a lot of opportunities out there um, to go out and meet those people. And when you're, and I've heard some of the other people speak, you know, on your, your guys's uh, program here, you know, if you're building those relationships and they trust you, like you're going to become the, the person that they go to or the company that they go to, you know, for those services. Yeah. Jamie was telling us about some of the community events, uh, Paul's and pub crawls or something like that. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, I like that one. <laughs> wow. I, can, I can definitely get behind My the goodness. pubs and pub, the pub crawls. Jamie needs to spend more time <laughs> yeah, with yeah, Nate over yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, crawls. we do uh, uh, paws and claws. We actually, our corporate location is uh, doing that next weekend. Uh, it's all wrapped around charity. We pick a charity um, that we get to give the donations to, but we do, we set up a set um, with, we have a Santa, we set up a whole winter theme set. Um, we have people come in, they take pictures of their pets with Santa. Um, all of the money raised goes to the charity that we pick. Um, so that's one of the things that we provide for our franchise owners is how do you do those kind of events too, right? It's not like, oh, corporate does that. That's really cool. We actually had a uh, our local pet photographer that we use in our corporate location came into our franchise owners yesterday and taught them, how do you find that pet photographer to help you? How do you put on those events? You know, how do you get part of the community and, you know, make all those connections? I was just wondering, is that like a, an upsell or an additional feature that Wolfies would look at exploring the whole pet photo pet photography? Um, I'm not sure if that's something that we would, you know, get into. There's a lot of really good pet photographers. That's something that we learned, you know, yesterday with our pet photographer is like, it's not just like, oh, I have a cell phone and I like dogs and so I can take that picture for you. There's a really a lot that goes into, you know, that, that pet photography industry. So, you know, we really are more about like, how do you partner with the right people, right? right. That she's the expert in pet photography, but how do we partner with that, you know? And that's good for our franchise owners because then they're getting um, referrals, you know, if they build that relationship with, you know, that pet photographer or that dog food company or store or whatever, then, you know, that's a, uh, another avenue of referrals that right. they're getting from a business standpoint. Yeah. Speaking of uh, franchisees, uh, I'm just curious, to, do you experience a greater female or male uh, ownership in the startups? I would say probably female. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would say right now, you know, but we'll see. That's interesting and certainly unique in terms of uh, what the typical home service business, you know, yeah. HVAC plumbing and all that. So it's a really cool avenue for female entrepreneurs to step into a marketplace and take the passion that they already have and, and put it into yeah. a place that's going to make money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, uh, Lydia, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a privilege to have you on. Yeah. If, yeah. if somebody wants to find out more about acquiring a Woofies brand or just more about what you do or wants yeah. to become a Woofies customer. Right. So a couple of different ways. If you're interested in uh, acquiring a Woofies brand, then ownawoofies.com. Um, listen to whatever Jamie had to say. I'm sure she was <laughs> plugging her information left and right. Um, you can also go to, you know, woofies.com um, and do, you know, a zip code search to see if we'd service your area. Um, you can also put in that you're interested if we're not servicing your area yet because 
like I said, we're emerging, so we're right. we're rapidly growing. So, right. um, or you can contact me, lbest at woofies.com. All right. She Lydia. was nervous about this, but I feel like she's done more podcasts than we have. Yeah, knocked it out of the park. <laughs> in fact, I don't know about in that. fact, <sighs> our our live studio audience agrees firmly, as you can hear. You guys made it easy. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hey, we're getting ready to start another mini session of the Waste No Day podcast. Joining us today, we have Dylan. He is from Mosquito Squad, part of Learning and Development. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Dylan Cohen. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a briefing on who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Uh, so my name is Dylan Cohen. I am the head of learning and development for Mosquito Squad. That is the uh, the best brand here at Authority Brands. I'm mm. sorry, Dylan. Whoa. Hey, it was a great interview. We appreciate you having <laughs> you on here. So what interview? Clip. <laughs> Listen. So uh, that's right. So I, I've been um, stop restoration uh, is behind us disagreeing with your statement about we, Mosquito Squad. We we are the best outdoor uh, pest control business here at Authority there you Brands. Go. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been with Mosquito Squad. Uh, next year will be my 10th anniversary. Uh, I started at a location as a technician when I was in college. I really just to get a little extra beer money back in the day. Uh, moved on to an operations manager position in Richmond, Virginia. And now you're all the way up to boxed wine money. Now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I finally sold out. Uh, so now I'm, I'm, I'm at corporate um, as a business advisor for a few years or business consultant, franchise consultant. I'm not sure what you guys call it in your brands. Um, franchise business consultant. Franchise business consultant. FBC. FBC. Rams now, actually. And right. uh, let's see, about two years ago, made the move into uh, learning and development. So we're uh, mainly focused on making sure we have consistency in our training programs. Super important in franchising, obviously, to have consistent processes and structure to the business. Um, and I think that training, especially with new franchisees, is where that, where that all starts. Um, so what does a training, what does a training system look like for like, you know, Nate, Nate opened a mosquito we, squad this morning. Well, let's hold on that question. I just want to understand what is exactly mosquito squad? What all, what do you do? Sure. So, uh, so mosquito squad, uh, we are uh, protecting homes and families and businesses around America and, and globally now, uh, from the dangers and nuisances of mosquitoes and ticks mainly. Okay. Um, so we, a pest control company. We are controlling uh, mosquitoes. Um, we, we control other pests as well, but all outdoor. So we're an outdoor pest control uh, service. We have 256 locations, uh, United States, Puerto Rico, Kenya, and Indonesia currently. Wow. wow. Kenya. Yep. That's a, that's a battle there, huh? It is. Yes. You know, in America, it's mainly a lifestyle brand. Right? Right. People just don't like mosquitoes. Yeah. Um, they're, they're annoying. They, they come after you when you're out hanging out by the pool. In Kenya and Indonesia and Puerto Rico, some of these more tropical countries, it's actually more of a healthcare brand. Yeah. Right. Um, we're in the, in the U.S. It's mainly lifestyle. Well, what Brian was asking uh, is, is what does training look like, especially when you're talking about uh, the difference of how you're going to market? I mean, there's certainly a difference in how you would train even in those different uh, economies and those different ecosystems. So what does that look like? Of course. Yeah. So it's definitely tricky. You know, I mean, obviously in the U.S. you have um, uh, you have desert climates where we have scorpions and different types of pests and uh, you're facing much, much different uh, challenges than you are in the Northeast where you have ticks and Lyme disease. Um, but at its core, our training really remains the same. Um, at Mosquito Squad at, at, is, is really a pretty simplistic business. Um, we use only a few products to control the pests that we control, whereas a general pest control company might have 300 different products to control 50 different pests. 
Um, a mosquito squad, you know, we're focused on mosquito plus one, right? So it might be mosquito and scorpion, mosquito and tick. Um, simplistic business model. We're at somebody's home for maybe 15 minutes with a profit margin of around 75% is what we're aiming for. Wow. Um, so it's got excellent profit margins. We, we aim it as a low cost franchise to get into, um, because of the lack of, um, products needed to get started up. Right. Um, when it comes to training, you know, our, our new franchisee program that we've been building out for uh, four or five years now, um, we, we have a lot of online training resources. We have over a hundred hours of online content um, that franchisee can go through. That's um, you know, pop-out module and hands-on learning. In, in addition to uh, our new franchisees go through a two-week virtual training series um, where they meet with us over Zoom. And that really happened during COVID just out of necessity. Um, but we're going to hang on to it. Uh, I think that people are used to that model of uh, training now. So uh, two weeks virtual training, all of our online training resources, and then uh, we have our new franchisees come to our headquarters in Macon, Georgia, uh, for training as well. Okay, that's fantastic. And as far as startup costs, I mean, besides the chemicals, which are you know part of the deal, you're really looking at licensing as a main a main barrier of entry, right? For sure, for sure. So you know, new, new franchisees they don't really need any experience in pest control at all. You know, our, our franchisees come from all walks of life. Um, but they do have to get licensed in their state. And depending on the state, uh, it could be like you're, um, you're studying for your SATs. I mean, some of these exams right. are, are really intense. Uh, some states aren't so difficult. Um, at, at corporate, one of the things that we really need to focus on is licensing. Uh, so we have a lot of resources available to make sure people do pass those tests. And then beyond the franchisee, they're, they're, their employees as well, a lot of the times, have to get licensed. Um, so we have uh, training courses and exam study material in place to help their employees uh, become licensed as well. So I would imagine in your industry, you probably follow more of the lawn care aspect of things, which is the sale is happening over the phone. And then the execution is when the homeowner is generally not around. That's right. That's right. Yep. So you've a big emphasis on training the CSRs on uh, sales and presentation and understanding. How would you even handle like my property is 10 acres, Brian's property is 20 acres and Frank's is a half acre? Right. Is it based on the size of the lot or, or just the coverage area that we want to make sure we treat? Uh, that's exactly it. So it's really important to us that we're able to sell directly over the phone. We don't want to have to come out and give a quote at somebody's property. Of course, there's you know special cases where you might have to do that. Um, but for most residential homes, uh, right over the phone, we're going to ask you for your address. We're going to look your house up in our CRM, and we're able to just draw a perfect little square around your property. It'll tell us what the acreage is, and that's how we base our pricing. Um, we, we treat the entire yard. We do what's called a barrier treatment. So it is important that we cover the entire yard. Um, so if somebody says, hey, I only want you to treat around my pool, we don't really do that. right? Okay. So we, we stick to one model, nice and easy pricing. Our sales agents, you know, typically somebody calls in to Mosquito Squad because they have a problem. They're getting bitten by mosquitoes. Right. So, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of convincing. We don't really have to sell our product. Uh, people call with credit card in hand, ready to get con uh, mosquito control. So uh, our, our sales agents, you know, they, they go through the script, how our service works, uh, pricing. And at the end, of course, it's important to say, if all that sounds good to you, we can get you put on the schedule. Right. And so it's, it's pretty easy close because... As long as there's a mosquito problem, there will be customers. Now, you're not alone in your market. There's competitors, uh, specifically some that have similar names to yours. And then you have the general, right. the general pest control people. So why Mosquito Squad? What's the difference maker? Yeah, you know, it's funny. So uh, when, I, when I joined Mosquito Squad 10 years ago, uh, there really wasn't all of these competitors. I mean, nowadays you have Mosquito Joe, Mosquito Hunters, 
the mosquito magician, uh, audios mosquitoes. I mean, if you can think of a mosquito, huh, like that. One. I mean, really, <laughs> if you can, if you can think of a mosquito name, it exists. Right. I mean, it's it's really crazy. Um, and so, you know, we we are the originator of what we call the barrier treatment back in two thousand five when when Mosquito Squad was founded. Um, you know, we we were the first franchising company, first to market, and so I think that staying power has helped us. You know, we are a very recognizable brand. Um, you know, having franchisees that have been in the system for 10, 15 years it does give us a lot of staying power. It's very difficult for competitors to come into our major markets uh, and compete with us. Obviously, we have new franchisees that they enter markets where competition already exists. And so things can get tricky and we have to differentiate ourselves through incredible customer service. And one of the uh, really interesting things that we've been doing for the past few years is actually our technicians wear body cameras out in the field. Oh, really? So if a, if a customer says, hey, I don't think uh, your technician treated my backyard, we can go back, pull that body camera footage. Wow. And either send it to the customer and say, hey, you know, here's the footage. Or let's say, um, God forbid, a technician accidentally uh, treats uh, some place they're not supposed to treat, right? right Maybe yeah. they get something Certain on a car or a driveway or whatever. Um, we can go back, look at that body camera footage and see what happens. That's fascinating. Um, so th- that's really helped us, you know, differentiate ourselves in terms of quality of service. Um, you know, it, it is, it's a difficult industry to differentiate yourself. We're all out here controlling mosquitoes. We really push our franchisees to uh, go after Google reviews as hard as they can. Sure. If you look at uh, any, really any mosquito squad market, our franchisees will have more Google reviews than their competitors. It's, it's incredibly important to us. Somebody calls in and says, hey, what's the difference between you and Mosquito Joe? You both kill mosquitoes. Well, the difference is our Google reviews, right? Our quality of service is shown through our Google reviews, and that's, that's really important to us. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, now, as we're wrapping things up here, Dylan, uh, I did want to ask in, in terms of <clears throat> warranty, because there's going to be, inevitably, there's going to be somebody say, this didn't work, mm. right? And uh, maybe you, you whip out the body cam footage and you see that we actually covered things, but I'm still like, yeah, man, I, I get it, but I'm still getting bit. You know, my kids are complaining. We can't sit outside. Sure. What, is, what does that look like uh, in terms of customer, customer satisfaction? Yeah. So, you know, we, we would never use the body camera footage to, to try to prove a customer wrong. You know, it's, it's really... Um, so what in the world it's, do we have it for? <laughs> it's really it's, it's really quality control, right? Yeah. And so, sometimes you do happen to prove the customer wrong, and that sometimes that does feel feels good, you know, because you can say we did actually go in the backyard, <laughs> right? Um, but no, so you know, um, we we do guarantee our treatments. So if we come out treat your yard the next day or a week later, up to three weeks we guarantee. So up to twenty one days, if you feel like the mosquito activity in your yard uh, is driving you indoors or your yard space becomes uncomfortable. We do come back out within 24 hours and provide a uh, complimentary service. Oh, so that up to three weeks is within 24 hours. That's right. Okay. Yep. That's yeah. Nice. So we, we we aim to get back out within 24 hours, and um, that's that's our guarantee. And um, we we have, we have we have natural products as well. You know, so I think that as a whole, the U.S. Uh, is moving towards green products. You know, people want green cleaning products, green pesticides, and all natural products. Um, so, so a lot when, of you our, say, when you say all natural products, is this more of a like mosquitoes don't like the smell and they stay away, or is it? Yeah, so I, I don't want to get too scientific on it. Um, appreciate that. We, we you know, so we have a, a cedar oil based product, for instance, and when the oil of that product gets on an insect's exoskeleton, it in essence suffocates that insect. So on contact, it will kill an insect uh, by essentially suffocating them in the oil of the product. After that, you're exactly right; it's repellency based. 
Um, so natural products for the most part do kill on contact and then also repel after the fact. Okay, cool. Well, Dylan, it's been a privilege to have you on. If we're looking to uh, join a mosquito squad, you know, one of the concerns that would come to my mind would be mosquitoes are only active in my climate uh, about three or four months out of the year. Sure. I imagine most of your most of your clientele is probably in the southern end of the country. Uh, but what if we're more in the north or northeast and we're like, yeah, man, we got a summer of mosquitoes and it's it's awful, but then we're good. I'll tell you what, our, our biggest uh, locations are actually in the northeast where there's a really short mosquito season. Um, and it's because over the winter time, you have snow, you have a lot of water, mosquitoes lie dormant. And then the second it becomes warm outside, you get these major mosquito hatches. Voracious. Um, voracious. Ugh. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Uh, the phones ring off the hook. And so a lot of our largest franchisees are in the Northeast. Um, you know, it, it, it really depends on mosquito pressure, right? So if you live in a market and you know for a fact that when you go in the backyard, you're getting bitten by mosquitoes, then it's a good business for you. If you don't have any mosquito problem in your area, it's not the right business. I mean, that, that success really, the largest indicator is, is there a problem in your market, Right. What am I doing the other eight months of the year, for example, in the Northeast? Hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> this guy behind me is definitely hanging out when, when he, like, in, in the off season. Um, so it really depends, right? I mean, so a lot of our owners, uh, they get to a certain part in their business where uh, for three months of the winter, they go down to the Bahamas and they hang out. Okay. Uh, some of our that owners right. that have, yeah, it's, it's not a bad life. Some owners, you know, who... Um, have really large operations. There's a lot of work to be done in the off season, whether you're cleaning trucks or uh, reaching out to customers and getting them set up for the next season. Um, but for the most part, owners hang out in the winter. Um, you get a couple months of free time. Uh, obviously, that's more in the Northeast. Uh, you know, we have a lot of folks that just ski all winter, and it's a nice lifestyle. I'm, I'm stuck at corporate, so I work year round. <laughs> uh, maybe one day, right? So. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely a business that affords uh, some, some good time uh, in the winter to hang out with your family. In the summer months, you are working your butt off and it's 100% worth it. And you probably still have quite a bit of monthly income coming in as the uh, membership, membership pays every month. That's right. That's right. So if somebody wants to get into a Mosquito Squad franchise or what I would think more of our audience would want to do, which is have you guys out to kill the mosquitoes around their house. Sure. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so uh, mosquitosquad.com. That's, that's, that's all you need. Mosquitosquad.com. You can put in your zip code, find a local squad near you, and uh, we'll be out to treat. And same for... Uh, going to buy a franchise, mosquitosquad.com will get you there as well. Awesome. Cool. Dylan Cohen, thank Thanks you so for much joining for joining us, us. Dylan. Yeah, I great appreciate it, guys. You. Thank you. It's great speaking with you. Thank you. We're starting another mini episode of the Waste No Day podcast here, and we have Tony joining us. He is an owner from Mr. Sparky, Arkansas, right? Nope. Nope. Uh, Myrtle, Beach. Sparky, Myrtle, Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Thank I've you. trained some of his techs, actually. <laughs> well, welcome here, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to, good to hang out with you two guys, for sure. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? So where um, you do it? Yeah. So I'm Tony Zach and uh, started a Mr. Sparky in 2010 in the uh, Myrtle Beach, Conway, South Carolina area. And uh, 2015, we went to a multi-brand with uh, Ben Franklin Plumbing. Okay. I was getting so many uh, asked for referrals for a good plumber. And uh, I was like, this is happening way too much. I need to go ahead and move into that space. It was available. I am not a plumber, especially by trade. I feel like I've learned a ton since we've opened that for sure. But so we started Ben Franklin in 2015 
And now we have another Ben Franklin, and we have two more Mr. Sparkies. Once in Wilmington, North Carolina, up there with Dwayne Kincaid and his Ben Franklin, and uh, and he was a lot of help, especially in the beginning. And then we opened up another Mr. Sparky in Florence, which is about an hour west of us. So <clears throat> it's been a good it's been a good journey. Um, you know, I was fortunate in my background that I've always been in around the electrical trade i started off in distribution worked for manufacturers southwire republic conduit allied conduit those kinds of companies and my business partner is new construction electrical and they have a massive uh business operation and you know it's funny uh mr sparky called me as an I was running a supply house and they're like, you need to look into this. And I'm like, no, I got a good guy you need to talk to. So anyway, he, uh, he kept asking me to come work for him. And when he finally said the right word, come work with me. Okay. So we jumped, you know, and haven't looked back since. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, yeah. what's, what's your annual revenue look like these days? So this year we'll be at 14 and a half million bucks between oh all word. of our, our locations. And, uh, yeah, you know, and, and, it's funny, you know, they were talking about goals yesterday. I mean, one of my long-term goals is, is $100 million, you know. So what's it take to get there? Uh, obviously, a lot of growth. Um, and we're looking, you know, we're looking at opportunities for that for sure, you know. But because of that growth, right, you go backfill. What is it going to take for that? So we're big into leadership. We invest heavily into leadership. Every week, you know, we've got somebody that comes and that's – I. I I feel like that's our best way to grow instead of me trying to figure out if this guy's going to be a good manager in another territory. So I, I look for management trainees from colleges or from trade schools or what have you. Do they have the right thing? They're going to come work for us. I want to teach them to trade. They don't have to be the best, but they need to know what they're doing. And uh, it's not that I want them in the field either. You know, I want them working on the business instead of in the business. So, but we, one of our things is, is if you're going to come work for us, you, you know, you're going to probably move throughout the Southeast where we may have an opportunity open up. So that's one of our strategies for growth. Oh, very nice. Uh, and, and the leadership training that you're doing, what does that look like? Are, you said you're bringing in people. I mean, are, are you bringing in outside speakers? Are you doing this internally? And who is, who's the audience? So the audience is our management team. Um, and we do bring in, uh, you know, we bring in one guy in particular who's really been instrumental. He's a local guy who's always – he's been a business coach, um, very heavy on John Maxwell with his leadership principles, and that kind of got the ball rolling, right? So in the beginning <clears> – <throat> excuse me – we were doing all technicians in the leadership training, and, you know, you could just see that it's really not some of those guys' space. You know, they're looking at it as, well, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Even though those principles could be applied personally. Um, so then we dialed that back. We, we do our own training for our technicians. And then our leadership team has a meeting with this guy for 30 minutes. And then he coaches. He coaches a lot of our guys throughout the week. So they have an hour session with them. And that will go on usually for about six months. You know, where they're spending an hour a week with this guy learning more about leadership so that those guys understand how it works. And what have been some practical uh, benefits or return on that investment that you've seen uh, by putting all that money and time into bringing an outside trainer and developing the people within? How have you seen that return? Our attrition. 
you know, we, we hold on to our guys. I mean, not just, yeah, it's, I mean, of course, money's everybody's main objective, but there's so much more to that by just by enjoying to come to work every day. Right. I mean, you know, we all have to work, so we might as well enjoy doing it. And, you know, I've got some older guys who have been in the construction trade for a long time and things from that side of the business to where the service side of the business, there's, there's, there's a big difference in how you treat your employees. It shouldn't be that way on the new construction side, but a lot of times it is because those guys are out in the field, very little supervision. You're working for a, you know, an electrician who may have been doing it for 20 years and he is absolutely brutal. Almost like a haze. It's almost like hazing for some of those green, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> green guys, you know? So we've seen a lot of that. We've seen a lot of, good personal growth in our managers and that really helps retain good talent so tony i uh, just heard you up on stage a little bit earlier from this podcast you were doing a panel and you're definitely a brand believer so oh, yeah i drank the kool-aid for sure. <laughs> why don't you tell us you know how do, how do you think mr sparky and benjamin franklin plumbing like if you had it all over to do again would you join would you join the brands and why yeah, I would, I mean, and, and, and we'll continue to look for those avenues, you know, as we go on, but I would definitely, I, you know, these type of, uh, functions to me, it's all about the after, right? What are we doing after the meetings? Right. I want to get, I want people to ask me questions. I want to speak to the newer franchises because they're getting barraged with, you know, new marketing, new, you know, just newer things than maybe we haven't seen before. And, even as we've been in the business for 12 years, we learn every single day of either a new way to approach on, a, on something for sales uh, or new products that other people are having a lot of success with or just new marketing venues or what, you know, what, what, how are they training in the mornings? How are they getting the most effective use of their time with their technicians? So, you know, that's what I enjoy about the brands the most is the networking. Um, you know, if we've got, I can pick up the phone and call any Mr. Sparky or any Benjamin Franklin. And usually, I mean, I haven't I've never had a bad experience doing that when I've needed advice. And likewise, I'm happy to help anybody who calls me. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing because you are talking to people who would normally be your competition, but because you're in the brands together, they're your allies. That's right. That's right. And, you know, it's, I mean, and I'm the same way with a lot of the guys in our territory that are, that are competitors. I mean, if they call we have good relationships. Um, we definitely believe in not taking other employees. Um, and I, you know, even if the other guy's searching, you know, I'm kind of wondering why I don't definitely don't call the business owner to find out. But if I know the business owner, you know, it may, may steer me away from that guy altogether just because, you know, we've got good working relationships and I don't want those guys out there trashing us, you know, just because sure. we're successful. Yeah. Now, speaking of being successful, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about the economy and about what's coming, what's already here, you know, what it's going to look like. Uh, what's your take on recession, recession proof businesses and how Mr. Sparky and Benjamin Franklin in your area are going to do to survive what they're going to do to survive? Yeah, so it's all about value, you know. I mean, every day that we run calls and we're in interfacing with these customers, you know, they they need to know, they need to be educated on what's out there, right? And I feel like we do a real good job of that versus our competitors in that space. And, um, you know, I feel like this is going to be, I've, I'm 
I don't want to say I'm looking forward to it, but at the end of the day, I think this is, it's got the opportunity to become a huge opportunity for us to continue to grow. Um, you know, some of the, some of the people who are out there may not be as heavy in cash and they may not have run their business as well. And they don't have the time to, to catch up right before something really goes bad. I mean, our business is good now. Um, we see a little bit of friction on the wallet coming out of the back pocket, but by and large, people are still buying big ticket items. They're still doing enhancements and, you know, and, and, and they're going to keep doing that through a bad economy. Do we have to get a little more aggressive in pricing sometimes to get those jobs? Sure. And then it comes to training, training our guys on how, on how that negotiating process works, because, you know, for the last couple of years, it's been pretty easy. You know, we're, we're a spider in a spider web waiting on the flies to come through the door. And, you know, it's, it's been easier. Now our guys are, we're all going to have to work a little bit harder for that same dollar, but you know, it's all about proven value. Are we worth your investment to us? And, and our guys have to do a good job of that. You know, just, I, you hear it here all the time. Hey, we're choosing not to participate. We don't talk about it. Let's just talk about what we've got to go out and do. You know, talking about leadership with uh, uh, one of my favorite all-time leadership guys is John Wooden with uh, his book Leadership by John Wooden. And, uh, and he talks about it. He's like, you don't have competition. Your competition is with yourself. Mm. Are you giving 100% every day? Only you can answer that question, you know. And so, you know, and he was a big believer. You go out and play on the court. You leave it all out on the court, right? And usually that's always going to be what the winning factor is. Um, it's not about worrying what the other team's game plan is. If our game plan is good, then we'll be successful. And we'll be successful 99% of the time if that's the case. You can't win every game, but if you stick to your plan and you stick to the small details, he calls them rivets in a plane wing in one of the sections of his book. And he's like, you know, don't say the devil's in the details. Success is in those details. Mm. You know, and he equates that to every rivet along the, the airline wing. And he's like, you know, so you pick the most important rivets, but they're all important in the makeup of that wing and you dial it in and can't take on everything at once. But, you know, he even taught his guys how to put on socks correctly, how to tie their shoes correctly. So, you know, if you've got a basketball coach that's looking at that, what are we doing? What are, how are we looking at our business, you know, to the small details? And that's a great spot to be in. You know, you're not, you're not having to handle the big fires. Let's take care of this fires before they even start, just like an arc fault breaker, you know, or a ting. Let's catch it. Well, Tony, as we wrap things up here, speaking of being in a great place, the trades is something that we're very passionate about, oh, yeah. uh, having a great place to be in. Uh, what are you doing to bring uh, new people into your employment? Uh, are you recruiting, you know, out of young people who have no skills or are you trying to somehow get people who already have the skills in? What does that look like for your world? For us, it's all about uh, we build, you have to train the trade. You know, I would love I, we hire for character and we train for the technical. Um, if we it's a bonus if a guy has some experience, uh, but if they don't, you know, are they worth the investment? You know, so we want to put them through Pearson. We want to teach them and we want that to be structured instead of just tribal training. Like, Hey, he's a good technician. Let's just let him ride with him. 
that technician still may have some bad habits, right? So we do technical training. It's as important to our guys to do technical training as it is soft skill training because they want they want to continue to have uh, personal growth and learning about new products, learning about water filtration or a new hybrid water heater, or maybe it was, you know, we, we looked into that Leviton panel for a while. But that's the kind of stuff that they feel like is good for their career, right? It's not just you teaching me how to deal with Mrs. Smith. It's you teaching me how to become a better electrician. What can I do to better myself by the technical side of our, but we are in the people business. I mean, I've been saying that forever. Everybody's got, you can call any plumber an electrician, you know, they may still be able to do what you exactly what you need them to do, but we're in the people business. So we've got to be better and we are better because of how we treat people, both employees and both, uh, homeowners but so we do a lot of technical we go to the technical schools we help there um, and sometimes that's by donations but we always want a way to be in front of those kids coming out of technical schools sometimes it's the high schools our strongest program though in our area would definitely be the technical college and in wilmington we're very active with the cape fear community college they actually have a four-year program for electrical oh wow yeah it's it's big and um so we're real involved with that because we've had some great success with guys coming out of that school. Well, Tony Zach, we celebrate your success. You're doing great, and we appreciate everything you're doing for the brands. Yes, we're blessed, no doubt about it. Thank you guys for having us. And, and look, and you guys do a great job. You know, our techs need to hear that message. They need to see that vision, not just from a business owner spitting it out. It's always good for them to get somebody else's perspective. So I respect you guys for putting that out there for them. Oh, thank you sure. very much. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for finally coming on, Tony. Yeah, man. I'm glad to be here. You've been, uh, Tony's been an avid listener for a while and we talked about you coming on when we were hanging out yeah. in your hometown. Yeah, that's right. Ago. That's right. So yeah, we'll definitely get a hold of you and have a, have a full episode. Man, Thanks I'd love to just let me know. Awesome. Be, be honored. Okay. Thanks, take Tony. care. Hey, we're getting ready to start another mini session of the Waste No Day podcast. Joining us today is Darren Clark. He's the Director of Operations for Stop Restoration. Welcome to the show, Darren. Hey, how is it going, guys? It's going great. Can you hear me all right? Gotcha. Much Perfect. better. So Stop Restoration, service team of professionals. Yes, sir. How, how old is Stop Restoration? Um, we actually started franchising in 1996. Wow. Yeah, before that... As a company, we consulted to carpet cleaning industry and restoration companies. And then in 96, we, uh, we jumped into the franchise game. Okay. So how, how many, uh, I guess, how many states are you in? We're in about 20 states. And what is the overall emphasis of STOP? I mean, what, what all do you guys do or don't do? So our primary focus is fire, water, smoke, and mold. Um, we obviously do boarding and hoard ups and uh, hoarding and things of that nature, uh, both on the residential and commercial side. I just got to ask, do you get into crime scenes? Some of our guys do. Yes. Wow. All yeah. Right. This is, this is about a, to take a turn. That's a, that's a selective service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, uh, I'm out on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to hear the stories. I don't want to do the cleanup. Right, right. Yeah, most of most of the referrals, as you can imagine, um, are on the residential side or water and mold. Yeah, and then the commercial side, you know, a lot of water and uh, fires and things of that nature. Sure. 
Okay. Well, obviously it's an industry that is very much like Brian and mine in that everybody's going to need it at one one time or another in their lives. Uh, although it's also one of those industries that nobody ever wants to need, right? And we find ourselves generally in the same boat. Nobody wants a plumber, an electrician, or an HVAC tech. Unfortunately, they need them sometimes, and that's where having a great professional resource is there. So what does that look like in marketing stop? Because you're basically saying, hey, we hope this never happens to you, but if it does, here we are. Yeah, it's sometimes I jokingly say it's kind of like marketing an ambulance company. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't really pay attention to it until you need an ambulance, right? So the marketing is all business to business primarily. Okay. Um, and we're looking at fundamental referral partners, and we want to build long-term relationships with insurance companies, property managers. There's a list of about 20 to 25 business to business type of referral sources that we uh, look to build relationships with. And then, of course, we do um, online pay-per-click advertising. Um, there's some postcard advertising, things of that nature, but it's very rarely direct consumer. Yeah, right, uh, Brian, you were talking to some restoration companies in our uh, area. And what were they paying on pay-per-click? Some unfathomable number. Yeah, four hundred, five hundred dollars for a click or something like that, because it was a, all about being number one for a water in the basement click, uh, water damage in the basement click. I believe in our area, it was like four hundred dollars. Yeah, that's a smaller piece of the pie as far as marketing. Um, again, we're looking at focusing on those reoccurring referral relationships. So you want the plumbers calling you out? The yeah. What What else do you? Um, like I said, property managers, um, school districts, city buildings. Okay. Okay. You know, all, all of those type of commercial and people that are linked to residential policy holders. Um, and that, uh, that's, that's really where it comes from is developing somebody that you're going to have a 10 or 20 year relationship with. Um, to your point, um, the the online customer they're there they're they're a faction of our marketing but those are normally you know mold jobs that are not covered by insurance so somebody's got to pay for it on their own or they don't have insurance right so one of the things about restoration is response time right that's got to be one of the biggest things that you train on so what does that look like in in, in how you develop your franchisees well, what does it look like to have immediate response time because that's somebody's literally probably the worst moment of their life or one of the worst moments of their life. And you got to be there, Johnny, on the spot to get it fixed. Yeah, absolutely. So there is a, a very streamlined process of when somebody calls in, be it an insurance agent or somebody that found us online. It's a very streamlined um, process that gets us a lot of information in a short amount of time. So when we do respond, and it's typically within an hour. Wow. Um, on, to, on site or just phone call? No, on site. Oh my word! Yeah, typically within that. That's kind of the the goal. Yeah, and that's usually the expectation of the insurance company. Um, so through that first phone call, we do a, an initial screening. So when we do show up, again, typically within about an hour, we're prepared to start in the event that it's a situation that we can begin work on. And that's twenty four hours. Yes. Because emergencies don't typically happen when uh, you know business hours are occurring. So <laughs> right, yeah. Somebody comes home from work and realizes the the washing machine never shut off. Yeah. So, wow. 
Oh, okay. So, uh, how how developed is Stop? Are you in all areas of the country, or what does that look like? We're kind of peppered through the country, um, and we're looking at a, a big surge of growth coming into 2023. Um, but we're in some we're in some major markets. Um, you know, we've got California. We're in Texas and a number of places. Um, we're, we have one here in Florida, um, one up in Portland, Oregon area that, that has a large uh, area. So, you know, we just look at growing responsibly with the right people. Yeah. And one of the things about growth is the ability to develop and train your people. Um, restoration certainly has an aspect of, hey, get some fans out and start ripping and tearing. But then the, the mediation piece uh, probably requires more specific training. How do you develop your people, your franchisees to understand, is there classes, probably even licensing to handle some of those things? What does that look like? Yeah, great question. So each state is a bit different in the licenses and permits that they require to do work. Um, they obviously start out with basic training. They'll, they'll have an introductory course in fire, water, smoke, mold, hoarding, board up, things of that nature. So when they leave basic training, they will have done some hands-on. And then we supplement that with some industry training. It's pretty extensive. So they, they're all certified and, and um, up on the latest technologies. And of course, we have all the most modern uh, equipment that they start out with. Um, and then staying up to date in their uh, city or state with what's required. We guide them through that. Now, Darren, you're definitely in a market that has a lot of competition. Uh, some of those are other franchisees. Some of those are you know, singular entities or you know, smaller uh, small businesses. Why should we use stop? I mean, what's kind of the thing that makes you different or sets you apart from the typical uh, Google search, you might say. Yeah. So great question. So, you know, I know a lot of the buzz phrase, you know, in this generation is the customer experience. I think stop takes that to the next level. So every element of stop and most of our processes and systems integrate the customer in to what has happened to them, which, as you mentioned, is one of the most traumatic things they'll ever experience in life. So we look at it from a very emotional standpoint of where that customer is, knowing that their whole life has been turned upside down um, and integrating them and keeping them informed and in touch with every step of the process. So they are very clear on just how experienced we are in walking somebody through it, not only physically with their house, but also being in an emotional a support system for them, putting them at ease basically with our expertise. Hmm. I like that's a good tagline. Uh, one thing that I'm curious about is territories. So a lot of franchisees will use or franchisors, excuse me, will use like a hundred thousand households or some type of, you know, system that identifies here's the amount of people in here. But in your world, you're not simply talking about people. You're also talking about problems. Is there an even ratio that says, hey, generally 100,000 households results in this many problems? Or do you have to take that into account because, you know, maybe some areas of the country are more prone to flooding where other areas are not? Yeah, there's not an exact science to it because you're right. Some areas are very dense. San Diego, for example, um, as opposed to maybe Kansas. And so our general territory size is up to 300,000 in population. 
and we've grown multi, multi-million dollar companies with a territory size. So a, a big key to stop is customer-centered and marketing and management are a lot of the focuses that, that um, we spend a lot of time on. Now, in, in your world, are you doing, uh, so obviously you're getting a lot of business-to-business traffic that is referring you in. Uh, do you also do referrals out, right? So you arrive on site and realize like, okay, they shut the water off, but there's still leaks going on. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we contained the fire, but why did the fire start in the first place? The electrical components went bad. Do you do reverse referrals? Yeah, absolutely. We, so we have a whole directory of those exact type of companies, right? We may need a plumber. We may need a drywall person. We, name, we may need a roofer. Um, so yeah, we, there's a lot of cross pollination with other trades within a building, be it residential or commercial. Sure. So what's, what's the, uh, I'm assuming, um, stop restoration, uh, franchise is pretty profitable. I'm, I'm guessing the net profit is there, but what is the pay schedule look like? How are, how are we getting paid? Like in a plumbing franchise, your residential service, you're doing the job. You're finishing the job, testing the water, and then walking the house with the, with the client, and then you're collecting a check or, or credit card on the way out. But I'm guessing an insurance uh, situation, that's going to look a little bit different. Yeah, that, that's a very insightful question. So in most cases, we're doing mostly insurance jobs, right? Obviously, there's people that don't have insurance or part of their insurance policy doesn't cover that type of uh, incident. Um, so... In our business, you're typically collecting a deductible to start the job. So a typical deductible these days is about $2,500. So that property owner will, will put the deductible up front, which allows us to then obviously support that with the claim number, right? So it's a covered claim. And then that's when we start the job. And when you and say up front, are you talking about over the phone or on site? On site. Okay. Yeah, after we've walked the job. And, and I mean, just a, a, uh, a, an obvious question here is you're going to have a lot of emotions in that area. How do you train your technicians that I understand $2,500 is a lot of money. I also understand you're looking at your world just got turned upside down here, but I can't move forward without $2,500. That's got to provoke some difficult conversations. How do you train your clients to interact? Not to mention to throw an extra curveball in there. Yeah. This $2,500 is most likely not covering the reason that it happened. So they're going to have that on top of it. Right. Yeah. So a lot of training and emphasis and focus on behavioral science, right? Reading people, listening to people is key for technicians. And the, the deductible is covered and talked about after we've walked the job and assured them that this is what we do every day and we do it at a very high level. So although it is something that in most cases we have to collect to start to keep our businesses liquid and fluid, but also it's not knocking on the door saying, hey, to step inside, we're going to need your deductible. That's the last topic that's discussed. Yeah. So you're, you're teaching the soft skills like the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I mean, stop restoration franchises need to put their texts on the waste no day podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you read between the lines there. 
Well, Darren, it's been good talking with you. I think uh, the restoration model has a lot of, as you mentioned, cross-pollination with our general listening audience, which is electrical, HVAC, and plumbing, because we're often either uh, the guys trying to prevent you from getting business or the guys that are coming in after you've already gotten the business and making those adjustments. It's been a privilege talking to you. Uh, Thanks for the interview. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, Darren. It was great to meet you. No problem. Take care. Hey, we're starting another mini episode of the Waste No Day podcast <laughs> here. Nate Minnick, Cassie. Don't My name's Nate Minnick. We have Brian Burton here. And joining us today is Casey Mills. She is with Monster, Monster Tree Service. Welcome here, Casey. Hi, thank you. Or Cassie, I'm sorry. Is it Cassie or Casey? Cassandra, but I go by Cassie. Okay. So is that your question? Very good. Well, uh, why don't you be so kind as to tell us what you do and who you do it for and where you do it? Sure. So I am based out of Houston, Texas. Um, I'm employed by Authority Brands, but I am the marketing manager for Monster Tree Service. So I'm 100% dedicated um, to doing national marketing through our ad fund for Monster Tree Service specifically, um, which is one of our 12 brands. Awesome. And what is Monster Tree Service other than what it sounds like? Yeah. um, So that's actually a really good question because a lot of times when people think of tree service, they think of only tree removal, maybe pruning or trimming their trees. Um, but it's not always all about tree removal or cutting down trees. Um, a huge part of our business is actually plant health care, um, or which we often refer to as PHC. Um, and so what that is, is it's a lot of preventative services that, um, should be happening beforehand. Um, so things like fertilization or, um, uh, treatment of pests, um, to really optimize the growth of trees so that we're not having to cut down later. Oh, well, that's very interesting. So it is more than just the obvious tree service. And even yes. if it was a tree service, there seem, at least in my area, there is plenty of business to be done. It's like six to eight weeks to get somebody out just to trim a tree. To even give an estimate. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's even if they come out, uh, which is a, actually a significant frustration. I've had multiple tree service companies that have just never shown up. Uh, where does wow. Monster Tree come into differentiating itself from the typical tree service? Is that one of those things, you know, we guarantee will show up? What does that look like? Absolutely. Um, So to us, it's really important to make sure we're answering those calls and coming out and providing those estimates very quickly and early on, Um, especially since that is happening all the time. We hear customers talk about that very frequently, like people not coming in or showing up. Um, Another thing that's really important to us is that that customer experience, right? And really getting to know your arborist when they're coming out so that you can trust them and trust their expertise um, and that they can make those recommendations for you. So uh, in, in terms of the Monster Tree service, I mean, are we typically talking about the size of a company of one to two people or most of these uh, companies, you know, five, 10? What does that look like? It can, it can differ depending on the location, I would say. Uh, <clears throat> it's typically a team of, I'd say altogether like more than seven, um, just because you have your sales arborists, um, which are the ones who are talking with customers and making the recommendations. And then you have your team of arborists who are actually the ones all in the actions um, and in the trees um, and really doing the work along with anyone who might be, you know, in-house answering calls. Now in, in our world, which is HVAC, plumbing and electrical, we have significant difficulty finding people with the skills to do the trades that we're looking at. Uh, you know, I know uh, running a chainsaw is one thing, but when you start getting into fertilization and knowing how to be an arborist and all these things, you're actually getting into a more defined uh, trade, so to speak. And there's education that goes with that. What does recruiting look like? And you know, how how uh, educated do I have to be to start one or or join one? 
Absolutely. And I mean, that experience is really important, but it's also something that um, the teams can work with people to train on. If you have a little bit of basic knowledge about it, um, when it comes to plan healthcare, there are certifications required in certain states and a lot um, of logistics that go into it. <clears throat> but a lot of people are learning along the way, a lot like myself. Yeah, sure. Like every trade. Correct. So um, I had to, I had swung by your brand breakout earlier. For those who don't know, those who are not part of a franchise or have not been to a franchise convention and there, there are segments for all of the brands at the same time. And then there are brand breakouts, they call them where Mr. Sparky electric has their own little room where, where they're uh, they might have a panel or a speaker and then monster tree service. I actually left the Mr. Sparky brand breakout to go check out monster tree service because I had not uh, had much experience with actually you're the first person I've met. From really? Monster tree service. <laughs> yes. Just now. So uh, one thing I noticed that the brand breakout was huge. There was, there was a lot of people in there. Yes. Um, so how many franchises do you guys have? We have 94 and wow. it's growing constantly. <laughs> how many states are you in? Oh goodness. I can't tell you off the top of my head. <laughs> we are It's all a quiz over. alphabetically. Please go. Let's go. <laughs> Don't and cities and counties. <laughs> oh man. But we are scattered pretty much all around the U.S., but we do have 94 locations. Wow. Okay. Right. right. And even, even that, I mean, you know, Plumbing is pretty much plumbing across the nation, but uh, there's different types of trees and plants and all those different things that each ecosystem brings in. So yes. how, how do you, even from a corporate side, provide all that different level of training? Yes. And it's, it's actually so interesting because not only are all trees different, but then we're talking about things like pests um, and the treatment of pests or maybe not treatment, but how we go about preventing that, right? Um, so there's different pests in different parts of the country which is really crazy um, along with soil. So it's all a matter of customization. Um, so on the marketing side, we do produce a lot of national assets, but we've broken it down a lot by region. Um, so also it's thinking about things like weather. Um, so certain areas of course get tornadoes, some get hurricanes or winter storms. Um, so just trying to crank out all those different assets so our owners can come in and utilize those um, when those um, things do occur. Now, is the is the tree service and plant healthcare is that pretty much around the around the calendar service, or what about some areas of the country that maybe, or I should ask, are there areas of the country where it is not? I love that question because most people think that you're not supposed to do any type of tree service in the winter time, but it's an all year thing, and it's actually easier to prune trees in the winter time uh, when trees are dormant and you can see every part of it. So it is full year. Okay. So no supplemental, like I know some, some companies, you know, they'll do snow clearing in the winter, like lawn care companies traditionally follow that model where they do lawns in the summer and then snow clearing. So you're, you're just all plants all the time. Correct. Plants and and only, only removal, right? We're not talking about adding plants or is that a service? Correct. Um, I believe the majority of our locations do not include um, tree planting in their services list. So I'm curious, uh, Cassie, as you know, in our our industry, we have a lot of memberships, right? So we people who are interested in having their systems and equipment maintained on a regular basis. Does Monster Tree Service offer any type of membership program where I can get my trees pruned every year or my plants taken care of every year? Every year. It's like you talked to, I'm wondering what sessions you um, want to go see because this is actually um, something coming in the next year and I don't want to give too much oh, away. Very so I'm, I, I do not want to um, drop the bomb anything. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it at that. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah, she let it out of the bag. Exactly. Um, but yeah, definitely something for people to be keeping their eyes on in the next year. 
Uh, that's very exciting. Yes. I think there would be a, a really good business model there, especially because, I mean, certain plants need trimmed every year, right. uh, maybe even uh, twice a year, three times a year. I certainly know my right. first 50 and plant healthcare should really flagged. be seasonal and the plant healthcare and fertilization, it should all be seasonal at least right. like every year. I right. just want to interject here with Nate is so excited right now because you know, so many terms <laughs> about a trade for the first time since we started yeah, the show. Yeah, you're doing great. Honestly, <laughs> I'm surprised. HVAC, plumbing, electrical. No, not so much, <laughs> but, but tree service is all over this. <laughs> What kind Got of it. bushes did you say that? Forsythia bushes. Oh my god! Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they need trimmed like. All right, there's going to be a quiz. I'm going to bring all out right. all the different types of trees, and you can tell me which is which. Well, <laughs> you can talk more about trimming your bushes after the episode, buddy. <laughs> oh anyway, where were we, Cassie? So, um, 94 locations. Is that territories yes. or is that actual stores? No, that is actual locations or stores. Um, wow. A lot of our locations have multiple territories. So Actually. yeah, so there's well into the hundreds. Correct. Of yes. Okay. So what is, I'm assuming you can talk about this. I don't know why we wouldn't, because we do talk about- I'll let about, you know if I can. <laughs> yeah, because we do talk about- Do you know whispering on a podcast is less effective than in a conversation? I, it feels- You like think I, just, I, by now, you know I don't care. I <laughs> <laughs> know I don't care. But uh, we talk about the revenue with stores quite often. And, um, so, and we don't have to name them, but what what is the typical or maybe even the high end, low end revenue of a- I do not want to give the incorrect answer or, or give away the information I should. Billions. So, somewhere so between a hundred thousand. I might have to phone a friend million. or pass on that question. <laughs> phone a friend. Right, take a lifeline. Please. I will, yes, a lifeline. I'll use a lifeline. <laughs> so yeah, because I'm what I'm wondering. So we have we'll have a mixed uh, group of people listening to this. Right. Obviously, our audience will be one, hopefully many people who want tree service and want someone like Monster to come out and take care of their trees. Two would be people who own businesses currently, always looking to add another revenue stream to that business and would like right. to add something like Monster Tree Service, which I will assume um, run, running, helping run a business that it has very low material costs uh, and very high profit margins. So, Correct. So <clears throat> I can't tell you that depending on the location, um, there is a lot of equipment and that is one of the things that have standing out, right? So some locations will rent cranes. Some of them will actually like finance their cranes, which is a whole other piece of this. Oh, they'll um, actually buy and, them. Right. Oh, wow, okay. um, very infrequently, but like it's, it's possible. Um, so there's just a lot of pieces that come into it. I can tell you that the average ticket is about 2000 um, for a tree removal. So <clears throat> it, it varies. <laughs> So you're, you'll have some equipment in there. You'll have some manpower in right, there. Right. Not much for Right. And then material. the employees and all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah your, your materials are your chainsaw blades, your gasolines, right. your, your guys. Uh, tools and, yeah. and of course and labor. Yeah. So uh, Brian, that's actually a great point with the people side of things. You know, training is inevitable in any business that you go into. Uh, it, it's something that we really want to make sure that all of our plumbers, electricians, and HVAC techs are well-versed in. Right. Uh, what types of training programs does Monster offer? Is that all based on the, you know, the, the local level or does corporate provide that? We do have a lot of corporate training at the very beginning. So a lot of it is that onboarding. So when our new um, owners do come um, and join us and then we have um, what we call Monster Academy. So that's where we train them on. Oh, I like that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. We would go with Monster University, but it was taken. Uh, I was going to yeah. say, well, I missed the boat there. <laughs> a little uh, C with a right. circle. Right. Yeah. 
But yeah, and that's where we go over everything. So we have our experts from each. Uh, <clears throat> so we have like our marketing experts, our operations experts. Um, and so that's where they really get to know those things. Um, and then even before coming on board, we give people opportunity to speak with owners that have been in the business for a while so that they can ask those hard hitting questions. The hard hitting questions. The hard hitting questions. I like <laughs> <laughs> what does a hard hitting question sound like? Oh my God. <laughs> the one you just asked me, putting me on the spot. <laughs> I feel like I've asked a lot of those today. I'm not really good mm -hmm. at that typically, but killing it with Cassie. You are. Well, Cassie, it's been good to have you on. Uh, the Monster Tree Service is a new brand or newer brand. Uh, yes. It's a part of the authority brands. We're excited for what it brings. I think even in our world, which is traditionally HVAC, plumbing, and electrical, there's still plants involved that can often uh, affect how a unit is running. I mean, our guys will clear plants away from the HVAC systems because they'll end up suffocating them. Of course, you have fall hazards, the stuff that can fall on the outside unit, tree limbs and things above. And then, of course, you know, even even lighting. Right. So like, you know, the, the lighting aspect of outdoor lighting and how that affects with branches and stuff yeah. going on. So there's a lot of crossover. There's uh, so much crossover, so much more than people would realize. Yeah. So that would be a that would be a great way to set cross leads. Definitely. And and with 94 territories and an undisclosed number of states, right. cities, counties, zip codes, right. uh, and townships, because yeah. Cassie won't tell us. <laughs> I believe she actually knows the answer to all these questions. She's <laughs> playing hardball here. Um, no, but I mean, I agree. Like, think about it. If someone's moving or building a house, you know, and they want a pool, right? <clears throat> You're just going to have to remove your trees. And if you want to entertain, then you'll have to treat for mosquitoes. Um, you want to paint your house. So it really just all bleeds in together. Yeah. So for someone with a, you know, Mr. Sparky electric, one hour heating right. and cooling, uh, Benjamin Franklin plumbing, we're always looking to find leads, uh, yeah. self-generated leads. A monster tree service could help with that quite a bit and the other Absolutely. way around. So, well, Cassie Mills, it's been great to have you on today. Thanks for stopping by and sharing some of your knowledge. All right. Thank you guys. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was certainly a little bit out of the box for us, but really engaging and interesting to hear from so many people uh, about what they do and how they're doing it and how they're doing it well and a lot of cool opportunities. If you are interested in learning more about any of these franchises or what they do and how they do it, please reach out to us at the show and we'll make sure that you get put in touch with the right people uh, to have that conversation. We want to leave you now with our challenge for 2022 as well as for 2023. Uh, thank you so much for sticking with us. We are celebrating two years here uh, as we turn the calendar and we're really looking forward to what 2023 is going to bring. But one thing we know it's going to bring is people who are hungry to do better, people who are looking to change themselves into more, and people who choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day. <laughs>